Thomas and Frederick. With Thomas and Frederick. With Thomas and Frederick. Welcome to State of the Franchise, the podcast that talks about franchises of all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, genres, and types. I am one of your hosts, Tom Stadler, here with my co-host as usual, maybe a Muppet of a man, but not a man of a Muppet, Mr. Fred Dakin. Hi-ho, Tom. How you doing? Hi-ho, Fred. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm just feeling it. I'm feeling it right now. You know, I got no strings on me, and I feel like that's (laughs) what makes me happy. Well, I've never felt better. I'm very excited for today because we're going to be talking about something exciting, and to talk about this... We have a great guest. Uh, He's the producer of several great comedy shows, including The Chris Gethard Show, The George Lucas Talk Show, and Untitled Improv. We have Patrick Cottonor with us today. Hello, hello. How are you guys? (laughs) Good, good. We're happy to have you on to talk Muppets. Yeah, Yeah. thank you so much. Of course. Psyched to be here. I never, uh, never will turn down an opportunity to talk about the Muppets, so... No, I mean, when you asked like... for suggestions, I was like, well, this is it. Here we go. Now it's time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely jumped on because it is one of the few things like our title of our podcast, Stay the Franchise. We really stretch the term franchise, but this is one of those, pro- you know, properties that has so many facets. It's been in so many places. Yeah. Like we kind of really can tack that franchise, you know, term onto it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, uh, it's, it's an exhaustive list of, every type of franchise thing you know they've they've done movies they've done tv they've done video games they've done albums they've done theme parks they've done what you know everything uh everything a franchise can be they have tried they are like the jack of all trades franchise truly yeah they fit into any square you want to throw at it and it's i mean i'm not gonna hide my my love for the muppets i've loved the muppets like my whole life so this is like this is a dream come true to talk about them on a recorded medium. <laughs> I'm so glad you did not hide it. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I was, this would be a weird thing if we finished recording and you're like, you know, I was really hiding how much I love them. Like, it would be weird. I was edging the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there's a lot to be said about the Muppets, as we've talked about. They are a big, expansive franchise. But, you know, for anyone who's not familiar with the Muppets, you know, they are a... <laughs> What do you want to want to say? Like, like we just said, they're they're a puppet franchise. I mean, if you've seen the Muppets or you've heard of the Muppets, you probably know what they look like. You know, it's with Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, Gonzo, and they've done. You know, we talked about it in movies, shows, the whole gamut. But really, it all kind of started, I think, with you know a long time ago when Jim Henson just kind of came up with all this, right? And it kind of came from something that was a small bit to something that's now a household name, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised at how far back they went. I think a 56, 57, like uh, Henson was doing shows. So like 57 to 2023 when Muppets Mayhem has come up, that is a long time to be putting it's out. A long time. <laughs> and still yeah. putting out new shows. Yeah, um, I mean, mid fifties. They not to not to get too nerdy, but I'll I'll give you a little bit more in depth as to the beginning at least. Mid fifties, they were doing a lot of commercials in the DC area. That was like his main thing. Uh, he he had a late night show called Salmon Friends that was like a five minute every night 
aired on local, I think it was NBC in Washington. Oh, wow. Um, and they were doing coffee commercials. They were doing dog food commercials, uh, you know, uh, Chinese food commercials, every, everything that they could get money for they were doing. And, uh, from there, it just kind of like leapfrogged, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, because they were on NBC. So they were able to do the Tonight Show because NBC knew who they were and that from the Tonight Show it got them Sesame Street, which got them, you know, everything. So it's it's been a it's been a weird uh beginning that I feel like a lot of franchises don't do because, you know, they usually just start like, here's a movie, here's a TV show. We'll start with that. But it's like, no, they were doing dog food commercials in the 50s. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And not like, and it's kind of like, I kind of grew up thinking the Muppets were like a kid thing, like for, you know, for yeah. us, but it sure. didn't start out that way. Like it was yeah. like slightly raunchy at times. Like yeah, it yeah, was yeah. meant for adults, which I did. I did not know that till I started doing research. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was what uh, helped them survive is, you know, you're not just doing kids, even like Sesame Street, which is like primarily targeted as a kid's show you can watch it and still find jokes in it that are really funny even as an adult you know the old stuff the new stuff like they'll they they want it to be fun for the parents to watch as well right because um, kids don't recognize like james gandolfini or whoever exactly. coming on it like exactly. that's yeah, yeah, yeah. mom and dad's at home watching yes yeah. yes dad wants to be excited because michael strahan's there not you know not because <laughs> abby could abby's doing a spell um <laughs> But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Muppet Show even was on at like 8 p.m. on a Thursday or whatever. So, like, not necessarily peak kid hours. No. Uh, and not peak, get, like, kid guests. It was very yeah. much like yeah, yeah, yeah. people you'd want to hang out with, like, at Absolutely. the time. Right. Like, Absolutely. even, like, Alice Cooper. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. You get Alice right. Cooper, but then you get, like, my mom and Chance, the uh, like Swedish mime duo, <laughs> like it, it really ran the gamut. There's like a there's a flute player in one episode, and then and then you get Mark Hamill, you know, doing Luke Skywalker and stuff. And it really, uh, they they were the biggest thing in the world for a couple of years, and it that really helped them um, do what they want to do for a couple of years. You know, yeah. And I mean, and they still last. I mean, all this stuff is available now on Disney Plus, our you know, our overlord streaming service that we must bow to if we want to <laughs> consume anything Muppets. But it's definitely something that I feel like no matter when you get started on at what age, there is some kind of Muppet property. If you were born within the last 50 to 60 years, you, you probably yeah. have something that you remember. Uh, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about where you first recall your exposure to the Muppets, Patrick. Yeah, for sure. My mom and my aunt were the perfect age for the Muppet Show when it was on. You know, they mm -hmm. were eight to 12 years old or something like that, like it, during that time frame when it started up. And my aunt specifically had a lot of Muppet merch, whether that was books or the, the you know, puppets that they put out for kids to buy at that point or later on VHSs, stuff like that. So I would go over to my grandma's house and she had all of my aunt's stuff out and about still um, because she thought I would like it. And it was a lot of Muppet stuff. It was a lot of Star Wars stuff. It was a lot of Disney stuff. Like, it's the stuff that I still love to this day. Uh, it was very influential because it was just around when I was a kid for the whole time. So, like, there was a long time when I was a child where it was, like, the two episodes of The Muppet Show I had seen were the Vincent Price and the Alice Cooper ones because those <laughs> were the two we had on VHS. Like, that was... Those were the ones. And I had all the movies as a kid. I've seen that first movie uh, probably more times than I've seen any other movie. For sure. Wow. Uh, hundreds of times at this point. Like, um, 
And it was, yeah, it was just really big for me as a kid. And it was, uh, it was what I wanted to do for a long time. I wanted to work as a puppeteer, but then more generally for the Muppets. And um, I've done a little bit. I interned at Sesame Street and I PA'd on a commercial with the Muppets. So like I've done a little bit, but the itch still isn't totally scratched. Like it's still, I still want to do it at some point for real. I did want to ask about that. Like if you had any interactions with someone kind of, uh, this sounds bad controlling a Muppet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know I, you had Steve Whitmire on the George Lucas talk show. Actually, my friend, shout out, uh, Jeff Simpson was at that show. I used to yeah. live in Atlanta. He said it was, it was great. great. Yeah, that was a really fun one. I've, uh, yeah, I've been really lucky in that I've gotten to meet a lot of people that work on the things that I love, you know? Yeah. When I was a kid, the guy who played Big Bird and Oscar, his name is Carol Spinney. He played them for 50 years, wrote a book and he was giving a talk at uh, the University of Connecticut, which was like half an hour away from where we lived because they have a big puppetry school there. And we went to this talk and heard him speak. And at the end, they were doing a Q&A and I was 11, 12, something like that. And I asked, do you guys ever give tours of the set? Like that was the big thing because uh-huh. I was even at that age I was like I'm I'm working my way in like I'm gonna figure out <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he goes no but you got to know somebody and like gave a little gave a little wink listeners uh, <laughs> can't see this but so we went and met him at the end he was signing the book and I guess he like pulled my dad aside and got our address and six months wow. later I got a postcard in the mail from him that said hey if you ever want to come to the set here's my phone number give me a call and we'll figure it out. So I got to go to the set twice when I was like 13, 14, something like that, or three times, three times when I was like 13, 14 in that middle school, high school era. And I stayed in touch with the right people. And uh, that's how I got my internship in in college when I moved to New York. So I've, I've been around a lot of them and it's uh, it's always very exciting and you don't lose that sense of like, holy shit, that's Grover. You know, we're right. <laughs> the time when I was there was a very weird period for Sesame because a lot of the original guys were stepping back or stepping down or dying. So mm-hmm. like I was there the last time that Frank Oz did Sesame street stuff until wow. today. Like he still has not. Uh, and, and the guy who played the count, I was there for his last record. The guy who used to play Elmo's now gone, like Carol Spinney who played big bird, like sort of stepped back like a year or two after that. So it was a very weird time where like this old guard was sort of passing the buck to the new guys. And it's very weird to think back on that where like it didn't while I was there, it didn't seem like we were doing that many eventful things because they weren't filming a lot while I was there. But looking back, it was like, oh, wow, you you got there right at the right time to just like see all of these men in their 70s, you know, <laughs> doing these characters for, for some of them the last time or, or one of the last times. I was just going to say, I would really recommend anyone listening to check out the doc on Carol Spinney. I remember it being very, it's very uh, intense, but yeah, one of the, one of the better docs about that world. And yeah, um, yeah, I recommend that. I also think it was interesting. We're kind of all roughly the same age that we came, probably came into Muppets at that time of such yeah. change because I kind of always heard in my ears like, that ain't the Muppets, man. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I was like, what What do you yeah. mean? They're the Muppets. <laughs> Which is crazy to think about because now at this point, let's see. Let me do this math really quick. We've had basically as much non-Jim Henson Kermit as we have had Jim Henson Kermit. And we've probably arguably had more hours of other people playing Kermit if you add up everything that they've done 
that we had for Jim, just because like he did it, it was like 50, say 55 to 1990, you know, but then there's a lot of breaks. Like those last 10 years, he doesn't do a lot of stuff. Even those, the first couple of years, he's doing a lot of Sesame that doesn't have a ton of Kermit. He's doing the Sam and Friends short show. The commercials don't have a ton of Kermit in them. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is weird how people are like, oh, it's not the Muppets. That's not, you know, these are new guys. And you're like, well, at this point, they're kind of the Kermit, you know? Yeah. Well, I the, just hate when people are like, Kermit doesn't even sound the same. And yeah. I'm like, I can't yeah. tell unless I really listen yeah. or if it's like Jim Cummings doing it yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sure. And I think the new Kermit, I, I we call him the new Kermit. Like, again, as you're saying, like, as though he's somehow new to this role. He's been doing it for how long now? Well, but, well, there was a guy who was Kermit. Okay. Steve Whitmire did it again. Sorry to get extremely in the weeds about this no please do <laughs> whitmeyer did it from 90 to 2016 okay and then matt vogel took over in 2016 and has been doing it now so there is technically a new new kermit there's yeah. a new kermit and then a new new kermit so <laughs> yeah, but i was doing like the gene hackman conversation thing with all the kermit voices because yeah. there's so many videos and i'm just yeah, like yeah. i mean yeah i can kind of yeah, tell sure. they're different but what does yeah. it matter right yeah, yeah. As long as it's fun, who cares? You know? Exactly. And it doesn't need to be a perfect impression. Like, nobody was going to be exactly like Jim Henson, you know, whether it was Steve Whitmire or, you know, even the newer person. It's just, it's, do they have the same spirit and the same kind of sound as Kermit? Like, no, I could try and do a Kermit the Frog, but it ain't going to sound halfway like them. (laughs) And and you've got to be performing it at the same time. And you've got to, like, embody him in, you know, in the, uh, if you're doing a, Freaking interview with Fallon, like improvising through that and whatever. Like it's so much more than the voice. And I feel like people need to take that into consideration when they're uh, bashing someone, you know, quote unquote, bashing someone. Who, right. Or oh, just no, like it having your arm in the air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which like after a couple minutes is hard and you do it for like three or four minutes and it's tough. And some of those guys like have done parades where they do it for two hours. And it's just like, how do you do that? How do you like, you know, how, how does that even, uh, uh, you have one arm that just becomes like jack. Yeah. yeah. You know? I just think about like raising my hand in class. I would always have yeah. to do the, like, yes. the other. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, the, yeah. the up under your arm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, does Sesame street have a private like training facility? Like guys are just getting swollen in the back. <laughs> crazy. It really is nuts. Like you can, I think there's videos of some of them being like, here's my left arm. Here's my right arm. And you're like, Oh wow. I genuinely like, see the difference but yeah they have uh, i don't know if this is spilling state secrets i think this is out and about but like if they're doing the um uh, like the macy's parade or whatever if sesame's doing the macy's parade they will either have a pole inside big bird to help hold him up so like your hand can be up there doing it but there will also be something else giving it the the you know height and the correct uh proportions or you'll all of a sudden just see like big bird like leaning on Oscar's trash can or whatever. (laughs) That's just so he can take a few minutes uh, uh, as a break. Um, But yeah, it's a really, it's a wild profession and more power to him, you know? Absolutely. Man. Well, no, that's pretty amazing to get some of the inside baseball on that too, because you do take it for granted. And I think that's something that I definitely want to explore as we keep going through the franchises is thinking about the production value in some of these movies and what these puppeteers Mm-hmm. If that's even the correct term of yeah. just calling puppeteers, but yeah. 
the types of things that they would have to do to make some of these things that the characters are doing, like Miss yeah. Piggy flipping or, you know, like doing her Hermit like riding a bike, swimming, whatever. Yeah. Right. Like that's, they're probably doing more than well, I was going to say Tom Cruise, but not, maybe I won't go that far <laughs> because that man is jumping off cliffs and stuff yeah. like a maniac. <laughs> oh, you never saw the part where Fozzie jumped off the Grand Canyon. You missed that clip. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do love like when a Muppet flies, they will just kind of like throw in. Yeah. And I love yeah. how that looks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, does it, is, have, yeah. it is funny watching the old stuff where they will just do that. And then now they're trying to like make it more modern and more, you know, 2023. So it'll be like a bunch of guys in like green screens and like, they'll still have <laughs> their hands in there, like doing it while they're doing it. And then they'll just like paint the guys out. Sure. Uh, but there is nothing like, you know, a, a, a chicken or a penguin just being thrown in the air and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the best. You can't beat it. Yeah, Absolutely. Fred, what was some of your first exposure to the Muppets? Do you remember? Um, for me, like I said, I kind of grew up on the second generation of it. I remember we had uh, the great Muppet caper at one of my like family friend's house. And I remember, like, I think we talked about this, like when you were growing up, you'd have family friends and you kind of knew what movies they had and you'd go over there and like, all right, they got a great Muppet caper. I can probably throw that on. <laughs> so I watched that a bunch. And um, the movie that I probably seen the most is uh, Muppets Christmas Carol, and that oh, one yeah. just it just really hits for me, and that's the first kind of non Jim Henson one, mm-hmm. and I think it has a lot of the stuff that the old movies did. Like I really love the pro- you know the production design of London in that. I love how like the costuming is like kind of serious, like for the time, you know, like people look Dickensian. Mm-hmm. Uh, the songs are great, and those are the two that I kind of grew up on. But I remember coming around in college to the Muppet movie, and I was like, "This movie's like just as funny as Airplane. <laughs> like it's a joke <laughs> per minute, yeah. and like the cameos, it probably has the best cameos, or at least for me, the most recognizable. I know, like as you go through like Manhattan, I was looking, I was like, I know some of these people, <laughs> but uh, I just think that one." has become one of my favorite movies i love throwing on just for i love it has the opening scene with him playing the banjo and uh dom deluise but i think it's just overall like the comedy yeah for sure i was actually just going to clarify too so you're talking about the original muppet movie not the muppets but jason c no 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 i think with that one coming out that was probably why i was like i'm gonna go back and check these out but uh, I was kind of upset when I went on Disney Plus. No Manhattan and no Muppets in Space. I just assumed they were on there. Now, yeah, well, you want to know why? Yes, yes, please. Oh, please. Because their um, Muppets from Space was Sony, and Manhattan was Columbia TriStar, I think. So that oh. those are the two that they don't own the rights to for distribution. Interesting. Uh, so that's why they're not there. I think they're on Amazon Prime, but don't. Don't quote me on that. Uh, I paid money. I paid good money to watch Muppets in Space because that yeah. was one I had on VHS back As then you when should. I was younger. You should. I love it. Good. It's great. Yeah. That's maybe the one I have not seen, believe it or not. I And I finally just watched Muppets uh, Take Manhattan. Well, I think I had seen it a long time ago, but I don't. I didn't remember it. So like, I felt like I was watching it again for the first time. Like, just... Going through it, but then when they got to the Muppet Babies cutscene, I was like, ah, yes, now mm-hmm. I remember watching this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think because it's like it resonates so much with you. And I remember even being a kid and watching the animated Muppet Babies show, 
And that's probably one of my, my first memories is watching that show more than like even the Muppet show itself or even the, the Muppet movies. But just like you, Fred, the great Muppet caper was a staple of my household. So it felt like every time, you know, I needed to reach for a movie, it was rotating between that and like hook and something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I like because I was the, I was a movie kid, like since I was little. And I remember I recognized Charles Grodin being the dad in Beethoven. Yeah. And like my mom would say I would tell her that like every time. <laughs> like, And she was probably the one that told me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'd be like, you know, that's the dad in Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> And now your wife. And he's so good in that movie. Like that's as good as he is in everything. That movie is. He wrote a great piece probably ten years ago, maybe I think it's for Vulture, where he goes back and recounts quote unquote his version of what happened behind the scenes with his torrid love affair with Miss Piggy, and it's (laughs) so funny. Uh, You can Google it and find it online. But I have to check that out. Yeah, I mean, love Groden. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta. And he's such a sleaze in that, and it was kind of funny. I saw um, what's the what's the movie that was remade, the seventies movie where Heartbreak Kid. Yes, uh, I saw that over pandemic. I think yeah. they were covering on blank check, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, he, it's kind of like a similar character. Like he's yeah. playing this like sleaze ball, but like he's yeah. got all this charm and charisma, and you're like, oh, I get why people might like want to follow this guy. <laughs> For sure. I mean, that's his vibe, you know, sleazeball with charm and charisma. That's Grodin right there, man. We should have just done the franchise of Charles Grodin. I know. <laughs> it's like talk about midnight run. Oh my God. Yeah. He's like Ishtar. Let's bring them all in. Ishtar. Oh man. I haven't seen that in a long time and I, I have to revisit. I've been reading the Mike Nichols uh, yeah. biography and it's so interesting to find out the connections with him and uh, Lane May to that movie yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, but not to get ago, I should say like three weeks ago, I realized I bought three Blu-rays that week mm-hmm. and it was Midnight Run, Ishtar and Clifford. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just in a Grodin mood right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. So now kind of getting a sense for, for where we all got exposed, I guess. And we've kind of touched on this already, but I did want to kind of get into a little bit of why the Muppets have resonated for so long. And if we want to talk a little about Sesame Street too, I think there's something to adding them to the element because obviously it's like, I, I was trying to, to phrase this and maybe Patrick, you can help us highlight what, what the difference is. Cause it's like, not all, sure. uh, what am I trying to say? Sure, sure, not sure. all those creations are Muppets, but not all the Muppets are like his creations. Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like for uh, what I would consider Muppets, mm-hmm. I would consider, I mean, there's the Muppets, which are Kermit, Fozzie, Piggy, Gonzo, Animal, whatever. Sure. Then there's Sesame and there's Fraggle Rock. And those are the three that I would consider Muppets. Okay. But then there's Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, and I would not consider those Muppets, even though they are Jim Henson Company owned yeah, it- and operated. Yeah, isn't it kind of like, I don't know if this is like a similar kind of like, a, hence there's the Henson company that's making these elaborate, I don't know, like I I was reading, uh, he did the animals, they did the animals for Animal Farm, like the 99 TV yeah. version. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it was funny, I was watching the Houston off episode of the Muppets and I went on the, I was like, oh, there's a connection here. Yeah. But I feel like. A funny episode to pick. <laughs> well, I like Peter Usinoff. I like yeah. his voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I don't know if anyone knows. He's the the big one. Is he's the 
the King and the Robin Hood, the animated Disney one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen, like, the 90s Animal Farm with, like, the celebrity cast and the Jim Henson animals, it's like Dark Babe. I mean, you probably know the story of Animal Farm, but it's like the aesthetic of Babe, but, like, Animal Farm. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that, but yeah. okay. So I think that makes sense because, like, we could even say like Yoda's not a Muppet, but yeah. obviously, no. well tied back to the Muppets, yeah. including Frank Oz. But yeah. I guess what is it about the Muppets that has resonated them for so long? You know, I mean, we talked about how they had their heyday back in the '70s, and then mm-hmm. you know they went through this huge moment where Jim Henson died in 1990. And it kind of left everything in the lurch a little bit, but then they persevered to the point where yeah, we had this whole debate about like, oh yeah, no, they had voices that people were like, well, that's not the original, but it's still yeah. like people cared enough to have this conversation. So it's like, what is it about the Muppets that really keeps them alive even today that we have a brand new show like that just came out this year? Yeah. I mean, I think they're able to find ways to reinvent themselves and and do new things where, you know, Henson dies and they're like, what do we do? Okay, well, maybe we don't have the characters play themselves in a movie. We have them do Christmas Carol and then we have Mm -hmm. them do, uh, there's this video called like Muppet Classic Theater, which is just them doing like old, you know, Greek myths and whatever. And they do, yeah, they do Treasure Island after that. But then I think that gets a little maybe boring for them. So then they go and do Muppets Tonight, which is back to the format because they're like, let's try this again where it's a, you know, comedy variety show like The Muppet Show was. And I think they're just able to, like, fit into any mold. You know, Mm -hmm. they can do whatever you need them to do. It can be a TV show. It can be a movie. You can play a video game. You know, you can, if you, they're not really see this in the podcast, but I've got my Pigs in Space action figures right here on the wall. You know, (laughs) there's toys, there's merch, like. It, they're able to to merchandise and like and and do all of these different kinds of things and ch- update them and change them uh, throughout the years because you can do timeless comedy with them, but you can also do you know some parody of something. Mostly on Sesame Street is where they're doing the parody stuff, but like uh, you can do stuff that's very of the moment and then stuff that you can watch forty years later and be like, uh, either I don't know what this is referencing, which is possible and has happened to me a couple times, or I'm like. Oh, that wasn't just its own thing. That was like making fun of a movie. Okay, I had no idea. <laughs> or it can just be funny comedy, you know. And that's that's they they figure out they've cracked the code um, on what can keep them going. Now, does that mean that they're still the most relevant thing in the world? No, not necessarily. But mm-hmm. I, I think they they are trying to figure out how to keep them fresh and new. And they've done a lot of good stuff in the last 20 years. They've done a lot of bad stuff in the last 20 years that has not held up or has not been good. But I, it's always the thing when the good stuff happens, you're like, oh, I hope they take the right lessons from this. And I hope they know why this new thing worked. And, and like most things, sometimes they'll glom onto the things that you're like, no, that's not, that's <laughs> not what made that good. Why'd you pick that? Like, no, go to this thing. This was the thing that was funny about it. Yeah, um, I do want to talk about kind of the transition between the Muppets, the new one with Jason Siegel and Muppets Most Wanted, because I think exactly what you said right there yeah. is what I saw in that when I was just sure. rewatching them. I'm like, OK, they took the wrong lessons of why yeah. that last one was so good. And it wasn't bad, but yeah, yeah, no, I like I like Most Wanted. I actually like 
and again, weeds. We're getting in the weeds. I like the extended cut of Muppets Most Wanted because I what? think I think Muppets Most Wanted, I think it moves a little too fast and the pacing is a little wonky. But if mm-hmm. you watch that extended cut, oh, baby, they slow it down and it's a little, bit, <laughs> it's a little bit better. That's that's my take. That's good to know. I feel like I have to yeah. do that now on a rewatch because, um, yeah, the last watch I was like, OK, yeah, I don't know that I loved it as much. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get. Yeah. That. Yeah, I still haven't seen Muppets Most Wanted. That's that and the mayhem are the two things I didn't get to. I'm pretty excited for mayhem, though. I hear good things. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the the haunted was it like haunted Muppets Haunted Mansion? That was yeah. great. I, yeah. I really dug that. But I'm kind of a sucker. If you do like a Halloween thing, like I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it. Sure. I saw like the Vincent Price episode and I didn't watch it because I was like, you know what? Probably gonna save this till fall time. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. It's a really, it's one of the best ones of the show. But I think the Haunted Mansion uh, uh, special is really good. And I think that that is, if they don't continue doing TV shows, a la uh, Muppet Mayhem, that I think doing those like two, two or three specials a year, you know? And the more you make, the less it matters if each one is good. Right. You know, if you make three a year and one is bad, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Like you can keep doing it. Right. Um, the Marvel model. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But then, but then if 16 of them are bad, then it starts to be like, oh, I, I just really thought you said, and I'm in the room with you. I thought you said marble. And I was like, what? Yeah. The marble model, Fred. Don't you, aren't you familiar? <laughs> the thing I'm nervous with Muppet Mayhem that I don't want them to take off, like, like to, to be like, oh, this is what made this work. I don't want different TV shows about every character. I don't mm. need that. I think this is a very specific thing that works, but I don't need a Ralph the Dog TV show. I don't need a, you know, a, a Robin the Frog TV show, whatever. I think you, for the most part, you have to have groups together that make it work. Right. And uh, I'm nervous that they're going to get excited being like, well, let's just, it'll be the Marvel method again, where it's just like, you give them all their own separate things and then they come together at the end. And it's like, all right, well, that's not, it doesn't work for everybody. You know, I, I, I would watch the Bobo the Bear show. I've been kind of into oh. Bobo over there. Like, hey, don't get me wrong. There's some. <laughs> don't get me wrong. There's some that uh, that would absolutely work for, but uh, you know, just nervous. Adler and Waldorf critic hour. Yeah. I will <laughs> yeah. say they do this really well, but something that I'm kind of overseen from the Muppets is the story of like group of characters who are going to make it in Hollywood or some sort of business. Cause I feel like the first ones that Manhattan yeah. sounds like it's a little bit of that. And yeah. the seagull one was that Yeah. the other thing that they have gone to the well a couple times in the last, you know, 15 years, 20 years is we got to get the band back together. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think you, you great. We've done it. We've done it. We don't need to do it again. We got it. Thank you guys. Yeah. No, let's move on to the next Bands thing. together. Yeah. 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 Band band is together. Yeah. But then here we're gonna be probably twenty years from now. And they're like, you know what? It's just enough time since that twenty twelve or twenty eleven movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the live action Muppet movie. What do you guys yeah. think? About? <laughs> really funny. There are some good gags, though, in that movie, and I do want to dive into that in a little bit yeah. of just seeing, like, Jason Siegel as a Muppet and then uh, Walter as, like, what is it, Jim, uh, Jim Sheldon. Yeah, Jim yeah. Parsons, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is just great. Well, 
So I guess that maybe that's a good transition, though, to kind of get us into our history and highlights section of our show here. So we've already kind of highlighted a few things here, but feel free to jump in and we can start kind of really tackling these topics kind of as the years progress in this history. Mm-hmm. So back in 1955, as Patrick so well enlightened us already, that Jim Henson began working with puppets as a college student, creating the show Sam and Friends in 1955 for a local Washington, D.C. television station. And it was then that Henson's creations were in several variety shows and commercials that we talked about. So <laughs> sorry. It was, I'm no, sorry, was, guys. No, that's you, you covered it perfectly. It was a great launching pad for this. Launch launch pad? Or yeah. Lily pad? I don't the know. Disney, <laughs> Disney morning afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Lily pad, and then I was like, wait, launch pad and Lily pad are two different things. <laughs> So by the early 1960s, then, Henson moved to New York, where he had a regular guest spot on the Jimmy Dean Show, which featured Rolf the Dog. Are you familiar with the Jimmy Dean Show days, Patrick? Of course, yeah. It was a, it was a variety show. Jimmy Dean, uh, people know as the sausage guy now. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's been the lasting legacy of Jimmy Dean. <laughs> I mean, the lasting legacy of the Jimmy Dean show is Ralph the dog. That's like the thing when you Google the Jimmy Dean show, like that's what comes up, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But he was like a country singer and Ralph was sort of like his, uh, his, his dog on the farm, you know, who would come in and tell jokes with him and stuff. There's some funny stuff in there, but it's very much like a early sixties, very tame variety show. And Ralph was sort of like the one element of like chaotic energy that that show had uh outside of it it was just him singing about how much he you know loves his truck and his wife and all that stuff like that was pretty much the rest of that show but what about his breakfast sausage (laughs) not bad they're not bad (laughs) no arguments over here (laughs) i will so like are you someone who tracks down a lot of these kind of old clips of like this, you know, these performances, yeah. the Jimmy Dean yeah. show, are you, you want to see all of that? I mean, when I was a kid, it was all I wanted to see. And it was like not on YouTube, you know, because there was no YouTube. There was no way. There was this guy who I was like, a, I was a little freak. You know, I am a little <laughs> freak, but I was a little freak when I was a kid. And there was this guy who a lot, you know, in the 90s and 80s, like people would trade tapes of like Mystery Science Theater or whatever. Yes. Around, yeah. That was like a very popular way of doing it. There was this guy who had all every Muppet thing you could freaking want. I think he's still doing it. His name's Kermie clown is his name. Uh, <laughs> and I would, you know, send him a check for like $5 and I'd get a VHS of them hosting the tonight show in the seventies or like, you know, every music video they ever made or whatever. So that was the easy way to track it down. Now, a lot of it's on YouTube now. And when I was mm-hmm. in New York, um, this guy, Craig Shemin, who runs the uh, Jim Henson Legacy, he's a long time like writer, Jim Henson Company em- employee and everything like that. Sure. He would do screenings at the Museum of the Moving Image where it would just be like Sam and Friends. And it would just be like an hour and a half of every video of Sam and Friends that they had. Like, wow. like they don't have every episode because it's the 50s and they would just delete stuff or like not know how to tape things or whatever it was, <laughs> you know? But he was really good at cultivating, you know, old talk show appearances or old, you know, just clips featuring, you know, uh, the Swedish chef or whatever it was. And uh, for a couple of years there, every month you'd go and he would have a new 90 minute thing where it'd just be like, what is this? I've never seen this before. This exists. Wow. Uh, and that that is uh, that's the thing I miss the most about living in New York are those screenings. <laughs> 
Yeah, like, having like screenings like that in a city has got to be amazing. Yeah. yeah, it ruled. It ruled. It's so cool. Yeah, it makes me sad that like things like the Internet Archive too are sort of under attack under the the whole thing of the copyright issue, which like yeah. understandable, but also it's like this is the way that people are doing this nowadays, right? It's like you weren't getting mad at these people for recording yeah. this stuff off their TV. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like anybody's trying to turn this stuff for profit. They're literally putting it up there so that it's like, okay, if these websites, which have gotten deleted, delete, like, yeah. where are we going to find all this content? Just try and find it on YouTube. Well, what if they get pulled down? Yeah. It's like, also like if you're the Jimmy Dean estate in 2023 <laughs> and you think that people are really like clamoring for your content outside of these clips that like, <laughs> only nerds are looking for like right. let's take a step back and like actually think about what we're pulling down from the internet because you think you'll be able to put it on dvd i don't know like what, what do you think you're gonna do with this you know i don't know i need my whole collection of jimmy dean <laughs> <laughs> dvd stuff yeah, yeah i need my 4k steelbook of the jimmy <laughs> dean show yeah so fast forward just a bit. So then it was in 1969 that Jim Henson brought his talents to Sesame Street to build it. And I know you've talked a little bit about Sesame Street already, but can you help yeah. us understand how some of that went down? Yeah, it was this uh, this woman named Joan Gans Cooney and this guy named Lloyd uh, Morissette, I think is his last name. They were two educators um, and really just like studying what could help uh, inner city kids learn to read and learn to write and learn to count and learn to do, you know, all of the things that were being taught at, uh, to be frank, like white public schools throughout America, you know, education was not as, I don't even want to say not as standardized as it is today, because it's still an issue, obviously. But (laughs) uh, at that point, it was very different, the levels that kids were learning at. So they were like, let's do something that will be on TV for everyone. It'll be on public, you know, uh, public television, if you have a TV, you'll be able to see this and we will teach you how to write. We will teach you how to read. You'll learn your ABCs, one, two, threes, whatever. And they're like, well, what will entice kids, but also keep them watching? They're like, well, we need humans to add the, like, this is a real thing. These are real people in front of you that you can learn from. You can trust whatever, but also the Muppet stuff to keep you like they're having fun. And they brought in Henson to go do it. There's a story where like he showed up for his first meeting and he was kind of, he was like a hippie, you know, like that was kind of his thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he showed up wearing like a brown leather, like jangly, you know, jacket, with <laughs> the, the trim, like everything on it. And someone in the office thought he was there to to blow up the office. <laughs> like, oh my God. Was, like, going to blow up the office. And then someone was like, no, that's Jim Henson. He's like running this show. He's going to run this show with us. <laughs> So yeah, it was a big, it was a big part of that show and he appreciated it as part of his career, but he also like, didn't want to only be seen as a kid's entertainer. And I think that that show was very limiting for him because he was nervous that, you know, I want to do a late night variety show or a primetime variety show. And if people see Bert and Ernie, they're going to think that's the only thing I can do. So I think he had to doubly work hard to like, get out of that, um, which I'm sure we will talk about in a second. Yeah, exactly. Because as we then moved into 1976, a little thing uh, came along called The Muppet Show. They decided to play the music. They decided to light the lights. 
And <laughs> I just realized what a miss that we didn't introduce that at the start. <laughs> I, I almost thought about starting the episode because like Kermit comes out with that energy. He's like, we have a great show today. We're going <laughs> to. Like, I just can't. I cannot do it. <laughs> right. I was practicing yeah. in the car. <laughs> Can you do the arm flail? The yay. With hey, arm. Oh my God. I wish people could see this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So decided. To get the introduce the Muppets on the Muppet Show or meet the Muppets on the Muppet yeah. Show. Yeah. So primetime variety show hosted by Kermit the Frog and regularly featuring some of the celebrity special guests that we've talked about already. But I mean, we got to get into the Muppet Show and talk yeah. about what a phenomenon it was at the time and how that's almost kind of the, the lasting trademark of the Muppets now. Yeah. I mean, he was trying to boomerang back from being that kid's performer and the year before the Muppet show they're on not the Muppets themselves, but Muppet characters are on the first season of Saturday night live. They're in most of the episodes of Saturday night live and uh, the, the Saturday night live writers. I'm going to swear right now. They fucking hated the Muppets. What? (laughs) They hated having to write for them. They were like, basically like you know belushi's out there being like i want to be on screen i don't want these pieces of felt to be on screen like this is <laughs> so it was just not a match but i think him trying to boomerang all the way to the other side of being like adults you know we are for adults and then finding <laughs> that happy medium of the muppet show was what was really the key of like oh this can be for everybody we don't need to pigeonhole ourselves into like just one or the other one you know yeah is that why the why blues brothers is basically just ripping off the muppet movie like i've never thought about it but you're not wrong (laughs) i just love like picturing because like when i think of like the original snl casting of people that kind of liked that they enjoyed some party and i just like imagine just you know, Fozzie and Kermit just being there like, yeah. I don't know about these guys, Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> so you look at a lot of those Muppet Show guest stars and a lot of them were either SNL hosts or mm-hmm. SNL casts or like people who were around that world. They sucked a lot of them in because they were like, oh, well, we know Gilda Radner liked us. Like, she'll come on the show. Let's get her. And it was uh, an easy way uh Early on, that show was not an easy sell to get guests on, which is something I think about a lot as a guest booker, where I'm like, how do you pitch this? Like, we shoot in London. You have to fly to London. It's a puppet show for stuff you've never heard of, really, you know? Yeah. Uh, early on in that show, there's a lot of guests where you're like, I don't know who this is. I have <laughs> yeah, no I idea. jumped around a little. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But it's interesting to watch the progression of like how they grew and changed. And then, you know, second season, they've got Steve Martin and like uh, Mm -hmm. John Cleese and Milton Berle and like all these like comedy luminaries, Peter Sellers, you know, like pretty early on these things happen. But uh, yeah, they were just lucky because they their manager was the same guy who managed all the SNL people. So he was like this big, huge comedy manager at the time. And he was able to like call in so many favors to just be like you get a free trip to london like what else do you want just do the show it'll be fun but yeah that shows really it's their it's their legacy and there's not they're not gonna be able to top it at this point you know something else is not going to show up that's going to be bigger than that for them no no not a time i mean with how many people were watching tv at that time too it's insane but uh one thing that they don't talk about with that show which when i was watching it were the segments that are like 
I'm going to use a word. I don't know if I'm going to use it right. Avant-garde? Oh. Puppet stuff? Right, right, right. I did something there. Where it's like they'll turn down the lights, and it's really cool visual puppet stuff. And yeah. I don't know if that would have worked the movies, but I kind of wish I would have seen more of that. Kind of like these, like, kind of, I don't know, like, interpretive dances with puppets. Yeah. It feels like that stuff that they even kind of did a bit on Sesame Street then, like, later yeah. on. Because I... I I have a lasting memory of watching Sesame Street as a kid. And there was this weird segment where it was like a mother, like playing with like clay and she was like making household objects. And then she ended up like making children with it. And I was like, wow, this is really deep. And I'm like, for as like a five-year-old, I'm like, what am I watching? And now <laughs> yeah. thinking back, I'm always like just fascinated by this segment. Yeah. Like, why was this on Sesame Street? <laughs> I think they just wanted to like showcase talented people that they liked you know right there's a couple times later on in the muppet show you go to like season four or five or whatever where they would like bring in like a a, a marionette guy to just come do two segments and they'd just be like here's bruce schwartz he's not the main guest of the episode but you're gonna watch him do this now and yeah. they would like just bring in like other people who were not doing similar types because i think he just wanted to get puppetry out into the world and that was the easiest way to do it was like to show that they were not the only types of puppets out there you know? Yeah. And it made it feel more like a true variety show in that yeah. regard. Not to say that, like, you know, SNL wasn't doing anything like that, but it has, like, it almost has the grandeur, like the Muppet Show does, of, like, an SNL, mm -hmm. but that they really kind of lean into, because they're, they're doing, I mean, a lot of different things. I mean, you are, like, having to stage, like, you know, sketches, right, with the Muppets, and then other stuff where it's just segments with the guest, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it was an inspiration for my favorite kid show, Lamb Chops Play Along. Oh, wow. <laughs> I feel like it had to have been, right? Yeah, probably. That's I think so you're funny. Right. Yeah. I, I never made that connection either. Now I'm like, you know, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, I'm sure if you're a puppeteer and you see this working, you're like, okay, well, then I guess I'm going to try to do that because it worked for them and they stopped doing it. So now someone else needs to do it, you know? Right. Well, and how many people got probably inspired seeing that there were people on like this humongous TV show at the time, just, you know, making puppets. And I have a memory of a teacher even telling me uh, in class that he had a student years and years ago that he would like, he would like be fascinated by the Muppets and he wanted to make his own puppets. So he like made like for a project in school, he made like a puppet of Abraham Lincoln and he made a video right. out of it. And right. without telling him, the teacher submitted it to Jim Henson Studios. And you know, getting a reply, and they said, This is a great first effort. Go to school. That's amazing. Once you're, you're done, give us a call. We'd like yeah. you to come and intern. And it was like, What what an awesome thing. And just wow. to have Jim, Jim Henson Studios like pay it forward and be like, yeah. Hey, we, we recognize we probably inspired you. And yeah, we want to actually facilitate that, yeah. that creativity. I'm, I mean, it makes sense for them, you know, like it's not. It's not a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. Like it's a it's a very niche thing. So if someone shows interest, you wanna, you know, you wanna encourage that because they could be your next hire, you know, and like finding that talent is is hard. And it's been it it was a lot of the same guys for a very long time. And I say guys, you know, mm -hmm. and I think they've been actively trying in the the past handful of years to like really diversify and expand that roster to, right. to not just make it the same five or six white guys who were doing all of the characters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Cause Sesame street was really good about that. That was kind of a big pitch for it. Right. Like, well, they were, diverse. they were really good with their human cast. 
Yeah, that, that's what I meant. <laughs> you, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. so much the, uh, yeah. yeah. When but I picture got, all those puppeteers, I don't picture any any yeah. diversity there. <laughs> they've gotten a lot better recently. They have like this really good program that that guy, Matt Vogel, um, who does Kermit now, he's also yeah. a big bird on Sesame. He He's helping to, you know, cultivate this next generation of people because all their performers are like 50, at least 50 years old at this point. So it's like, they're not getting younger. You can't hold up your arm forever. So like you need right. to bring these next, these next kids to like help take over. And that's, that's how this thing keeps running. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it will just eat itself if you don't bring in new people. And, um, I think they're working on that hopefully, you know? Right. Well, yeah. And I think you look at some of the just similar struggles that a lot, a lot of longtime shows are, I think, running into, you know, and I don't know, it's it's something that I think about, like how sad it is that some of those shows just kind of, I mean, even like uh, The Simpsons, it took them forever to feel like finally start bringing in some people and be like, oh, maybe yeah. our characters of color should be voiced yeah. by actors of color. It's yeah. like it feels ahead. like it should be an obvious, <laughs> an obvious move, but. And I'm happy that they have figured that out at this point, but you do wish like, Oh, could have done this 10 years ago and looked really cool. You know, yeah, right? it looked like really ahead of the pack, but yeah, no, instead of yeah. felt like they were, they were being more reactionary than proactive, yes. which yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of things have been that way. Sure. So from the Muppet show, I know we, we've only kind of glossed over that, but we can obviously come back and talk more. There's so much to do. We kind of have to gloss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But basically, I mean, the Muppets, their their presence and their their fa- their fame only grew from there, and they started starring in their own films. You know, the aforementioned uh, Muppet movie, the first Muppet movie, as it says on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. the original. <laughs> Just to make sure that you're not confusing with all the other properties that are titled the Muppets now. <laughs> I know, I know. And then that basically led to them getting into other movies. In 1981, they had The Great Muppet Caper. 1984, The Muppets Take Manhattan. Uh, We ended up getting a theme park ride. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? Muppets 3D Vision? Muppet Vision 3D? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which, have you guys seen that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's great. It uh, It was the last basically the last thing that he did mm-hmm. before he died not to jump ahead again i mean in the 80s like they do this jump three, around they, <laughs> they do those three House movies of pain style he's basically like uh i need to take a break from them up it's like i need to do other stuff so he starts doing labyrinth dark crystal like trying to expand it those things don't really take in the public consciousness mm-hmm. so he goes back and he does another muppet show which is called the jim henson hour which is 50% Muppets, 50% weird creature, you know, labyrinthy, <laughs> dark crystal-y stuff. Yeah. Uh, that show doesn't take. So mm. then he's like, all right, well, I guess they want us to go back to Muppets. Basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell the Muppets to Disney. Um, am I stepping on your toes by saying this? Is this nope. something? Okay, nope. great. Great, nope. great, great. <laughs> cool, right. Honestly, uh, honestly, this is awesome to have great, all this great, extra great, information. Great. So please yeah, keep yeah. going. <laughs> He, uh, so he goes, I got to sell it to Disney. I'm tired. I'm getting old. I don't want to keep doing this. I'll do it occasionally, but it'll be so much easier for someone else who's running the day-to-day of it all. Um, because he, you know, he, he was a businessman, but also like he wasn't, he was a performer and he was a creative and he, you know, having those other people in the background, like running the actual ship was, uh, important for him, I think. So he goes to sell to Disney 
It's very stressful. He doesn't really want to do it, but he knows that it's like, it's probably the right move. And they make the Muppets go to Walt Disney World, which is a TV special to help promote this because the Muppets have been bought by Disney. The paperwork is not signed yet officially. No ink is, has hit the page, but it's coming. We know it's coming. Um, Charles Grodin's in that special. He's really funny in it. Um, <laughs> that should be on Disney+. Plus. Oh. It should. It's on YouTube, but it should be on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, and then they do Muppet 3D, which is for MGM, Hollywood Studios, the, the park there. Uh, it's the last thing he does. He gets sick, does not go to the hospital in time, dies. Muppet 3D is not done yet. So they sort of complete it. It goes into the park, but the the deal's off. The deal's done. So they do not get sold to Disney in 1990. And uh, so Muppet 3D is this like sort of one relic for a very long time of like the promise of building a Muppet section of that park. They were going to build multiple rides, multiple live shows, whatever in this area of MGM. And that does not mm-hmm. happen uh, for a very long time. And yeah, Muppet 3D is great though. Muppet 3D is very funny. It's so it's, good. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's like in the Muppet movie where it's all the Muppets in the movie theater. Yeah. They have that theater gives you the vibe that you are in that theater. Yes. Like you yeah. feel like because they have like the stuff in the top. Like I think Statler yeah. Waller come out. Yeah. Like it gives you that chaotic feeling and it's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very fun. I think that was like my first like sensory experience in like any type of movie. And I was like, what is going on? There's like sounds like, and, like all this like stuff like going on around us. You can like smell the smoke. <laughs> yeah. Just so fun. What a, what a unique idea. It just, and I think what I wanted to kind of get into here too, is just how ahead of the times some of these things with the Muppets were because we did just kind of gloss over the dark crystal and labyrinth were all part of this kind of this eighties exploration that Jim Henson did, you know, while these Muppet movies were still going on, but that people didn't feel like they were ready for them yet. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably true. You know, I mean, there's no way to know, but like he was always ahead of the curve, even like in, in Muppet 3d, there's that character Waldo who's a CG Muppet basically that shows up. And he, they pioneered this technology. I don't want to say him alone, but you know, that company pioneered this technology that was called the Waldo. That was the name of the system. And that's why his name, <laughs> oh, interesting. It's, it's an acronym. I don't remember what it stands for, but it was a, it's a machine that it's basically like motion capturing like their hands. And it's like a robot puppet, which then translates to this CG character that's on a computer somewhere. But 1990, doing that 1989 somewhere in there is like bonkers you know that's crazy to think about that happening for Uh, all the laurels that jurassic park gets with steven spielberg doing like the cgi in that movie it's like yeah three years before we got waldo c graphic (laughs) come on (laughs) show some respect (laughs) put some respect on waldo But where's Waldo now, you guys? It's hard to find him. <laughs> Still in Orlando, Florida. He is down there. Still Orban down there. Then. Yeah. But yeah. it's one of those things where you're like, what would he be doing now? What other crazy stuff would he have pioneered and, and worked on? All the uh, stuff Jim Cameron's just trying to get ahead of the game on now. <laughs> I know. One thing I wanted to bring up when you were talking about, uh, you know, the possible sell Disney was something... 
that we haven't talked about was the merchandising. I did hear, and I don't know if you know anything about this, that he was pretty adamant about like quality control of the merchandise that was relayed to the Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know specific stuff, but you think about the stuff that they put out in the seventies and eighties for those toys. And like, a lot of them are still out there because they're just like well-made, you know, things that like people actually wanted. It wasn't just like thrown on everything that I think that changed a little bit once they became huge. It became right. more of like a, yeah, sure. Okay, great. Yeah. a lunchbox. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but I think that's part of the nature of like getting extremely famous, you know, it's like, yeah. You gotta not just to throw a shade it. at some director or producer who puts all of his stuff in, on his merchandise. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which, but I mean, trying to juxtapose those two things, I think, is where you're getting, Fred. Like, yeah, like there's the. I always stick in my mind, and we did an episode recently on Star Wars merchandise, but yeah. just the like the Jar Jar Binks like yeah. sucker. There, you're like licking <laughs> on his tongue, and I'm like, who? Why did they do this? Who was asking for something like this? Now, I was so hard up for candy, I didn't care, man. <laughs> and if you go look at the prices on eBay right now, I'd say a lot of people were asking for it. <laughs> people just need to finish those collections. They need to own Absolutely. everything. Yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah, I think you look at something like, I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time on Dark Crystal or Labyrinth, but I mean, that's, I think, the first time we see the Muppets get used. Well, no, I suppose Yoda would be sort of a way to say that, sort of like a darker use of Muppets, right? Yeah, no, I mean, and, you know, even Yoda, like, they wanted Jim to do Yoda, and he was like, I don't have time. Like, I can't do this. But they were involved in helping Stuart Freeborn, who's the guy who made, uh, created Yoda and built the puppet and, like, designed all of that. They were like, okay, talk to each other about what makes an easy-to-use puppet and, like, what makes something that will look good on screen and, like, play in a theater as, like, oh, this is a real thing. Because that movie falls apart if Yoda does not work. Right. You, know? you, you, you may not get Return of the Jedi if Yoda does not read as, like, a real living uh, you know, I don't want to say human being, but it's the only thing <laughs> yeah. right so it's a mix of like them working to make that puppet work and Frank Oz and the other puppeteers who are who are helping to bring that to life. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dark Crystal and and Labyrinth, Labyrinth sort of is the middle ground between a Muppet and a Dark Crystal thing, you know, because they're kind of goofy and kind of silly, mm-hmm. but also like creepy and weird and still, sure. some of them real looking, you know. Yeah, David Bowie's got some big Muppet energy in that movie. He's got he's got some big stuff for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, one big thing in that movie. Yeah. Dance magic, dance yeah. big hair, big yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, Dark Crystal. You're right though. That and that's like a purely Muppet production. Like I'm not forgetting any live action things in that. That's, there's nothing. Uh yeah no no. Yeah, which is, and I think if you tried to release the Dark Crystal today, you know, you might get people responding maybe in a similar way that you have people respond to kind of like Into the Spider-Verse, right? Where it's like, we're kind of going off, you know, the main drag here, everybody's about the live action superhero movies right now, but it's sort of like, well, no, but then people were catching this, you know, either in theaters or hearing it by word of mouth. And, you know, I could totally see, and I know they tried to bring the Dark Crystal back. I didn't watch any of the TV series, but... It's yeah, definitely it's yeah. very similar in tone to the movie, the TV series. Yeah, I'm I'm almost surprised it didn't get more word yeah. of mouth attention. When he wa- when he was making that movie, his original goal was to have it all be subtitled. 
Oh, wow. And everyone was like, no, <laughs> no, you can't do that. Like, you know, it, it will, your ticket sales will be zero. And then he like did it. He, you know, had them speak English and the ticket sales were still basically zero. So he was like, all right, well then we should have just tried it. We should have just done that. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think sure. that those two movies kind of broke him a little bit, broke his mm. spirit a little bit as to trying new things, which is a shame. It is. And it's too bad. Cause yeah, you think maybe if the nineties had been kinder to him and he had been able to live on. Yeah. We're yeah. just going to talk about what would have come next. Yeah. But we do know what came next in the eighties because Henson also brought to life uh fraggle rock, <laughs> the third leg of the, of the Trinity here of Muppets, <laughs> which I don't have a lot of memory of fraggle rock, but did you guys both watch it or have you watched it later on in life? No, I have not. I remember seeing trailers for like maybe a DVD or a VHS like collection at one point, yeah. but I'd never checked out Fraggle Rock. What about you, Patrick? Well, this is the Blu-ray collection right here where I'm pointing right behind. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was never it was never my thing, really. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change the fact that the Blu-ray is right there, but it was never <laughs> really my thing. Um, I don't know why it was an HBO thing, and we never had HBO, so I think I just it, it like rarely reran on. Disney Channel, maybe I don't even remember where it was, but uh, I just I didn't see a lot of it, um, and I think that's probably a big part of it. But it was that was his like we need to take care of the environment show mm-hmm. and like be nice to each other and stop wars, you know, and like mm-hmm. everyone needs to just relax and love each other, which all of the projects sort of have that vibe to it, but For this sure. one is overtly like you know. Oh, we all live in an ecosystem and we all need to work together because if you if the fraggles destroy the doozer houses, then the gorks <laughs> have nothing to eat. So, like, what are we doing? You guys got all this is all part of one big, big picture that you need to step back and take a take a, a good uh thought before you do things that will hurt other people. Um right. it's a very nice show. It's a very good show, I think. And I think it's they they brought it back and it's it's on Apple Plus right now. They made a new season and it truly it feels like the old show and it's very good. Really? Uh, yeah, they're they're doing some more um, that I think will be out soon. But it's it's a really it's a nice show. Mm-hmm. It's just not my show that I. Yeah, <laughs> it has kind of a bop for a theme song, doesn't it? Though mm-hmm. I kind of remember people talking about Yeah, I love it. That's that's great. We're just we're gonna go live with that and just produce that as our new theme song. Um. But yeah, I think it's definitely of that time too. I think there was a lot of environmental consciousness that uh, unfortunately didn't carry forward, but we don't have a lot of time to get into all that. Yeah. But, you can see like kind of his hippie worldview, I feel, as we can go into his movies, especially with the first Muppet movie, because everyone treats the Muppets in that movies like hippies. <laughs> like, yeah. They're yeah. like, get out of here. Or they're trying to like to cut off their legs. Yeah. 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 It's a different it, time. It is. And it's such a great, like, I mean, I know there's been road trip movies before that. Cause obviously you had like vacation, you know, or, like, well, no vacation even came out a year after that. Didn't it? It was 1979 for Muppet movie. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, look at this. All these, all these SNL alums are just like, you know, it'd be great. <laughs> we should. But it, it is a, it's such a fun 
fun concept though to be like, okay, go and get the Muppets, and you have Sweetums constantly <laughs> trying to chase them down. Yeah. That was the joke on like whatever VHS that had the trailer for that movie. I remember seeing that clip so many times, just watching yeah. like VHS at home, like Hollywood, <laughs> <laughs> and running after the car. I love Fork in the Road. I mean. Uh-huh. It's right there. It's I mean, it's the best. It's the best movie. It's it's my number one movie out of any movie. Oh wow! Like I did not any movie that. ever. Any movie that is Patrick's number one movie. Wow! Unimpeachable. It would take so much to surpass that. It really would, just for the jokes per minute, the songs, yeah. the cameos. Like I mean, yeah. the Doctor T section of that yeah. movie is my favorite scene of a Muppet movie. I have too much nostalgia for Christmas Carol that I can't shake. So, yeah. but I probably agree Muppets movie is where it's at, but like yeah, the we, shot where they pour the paint over absolutely. the camera is such a great shot. And that cool. song, can you picture that? I listened to that on the ride home on repeat today. I just wanted to get like that. Get, I get your bitch. Yeah. <laughs> grinning like a Cheshire cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's even, I got a road trip coming up with uh, my fiance and I feel like every time I'm in the car on a long road trip, I think in my head, I'm like moving right along. Yeah. <laughs> I do that in the song from the goofy movie. That's a pretty good road trip song in that movie. Yeah. yeah so good so good but yeah i mean in the cameos like we were talking about they are so great in that was, even just steve martin that, that bit just never gets old and i mean he he really i think was such a champion for the muppets at that time which feels yep. that is so great i didn't know elliot gold was in all like three of those kind of og movies hmm. in like smaller parts and some bigger parts not, and others. he's not in great muppet caper but he's in He's in Take Manhattan. And the I thought in Muppet Caper, he's the guy who throws them from the plane. It's like he doesn't even talk. Is that him? Hang on. I just did. I just did. I just break Let's, something here. Well, I'm hang on, hang sure on. Let, me, let me double check. Hang on one sec. I know. I'm I'm checking this right now. I, I hope you don't think I'm being rude. I'm checking. I know exactly who you're talking about. And now I'm like, wait a second. If it's not him, it kind of looks like him. Yeah, but yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not seeing him in the cast list here. He's not credited. I'm so sorry. We'll have to, you know, maybe get back on that one later. But, like, I was looking. I was like, is that him? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I see. Oh, do you know who I see? I see Tom Patchett and I think it's Jay Tarsus who that is. Sorry. Mm. They're the writers who wrote Muppet Take Manhattan. I believe it's Jay Tarsus. I'll take two out of three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry to. Yeah. Hey, it's just like Meatloaf said: two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> yeah. And look, I would do anything for love, but I won't let you say that Elliot Gould is in. <laughs> hey, hey! You took not. the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, uh, make America great again. That's a more yeah, recent yeah. Thing, oh, oh, his I final quote. Like, yeah. The last couple of years. Yeah. yeah I, think it, I think his final quote is: "I'm not getting that shot." <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Ugh, terrible. Although at my wedding, the, like meatloaf came up, and I stood in front of the wedding, and I said, "If you're cutting some meatloaf, I'm gonna have some." <laughs> so like, I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then then we get to 1981, though. Back to the the Muppets, the second leg of that trilogy of, or I guess it's trilogy. It's not really a trilogy, but they're all sequential. It is. Like, it is. Those three yeah. to me have the most like shared DNA. Yeah, for sure. 
because then we get the great Muppet caper and which is so fun to go back at it and even see some of the, the, I guess for my age too, seeing like Diana rig in that role mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. wasn't somebody I really grew up with until I had watched like honor majesty's secret service or then like, and then obviously Game of Thrones, and you're like, oh my god, there she is. I've been yeah. <laughs> she's been in this movie my whole life, and I had no idea who she really yeah. was. Yeah. Or no context. Yeah, I like that. I like that movie. Um, I, I used to not really enjoy that movie as much. And for some reason, something just clicked mm-hmm. in the last like 10 years or so, where it was like, oh no. I think it's mostly Groden, to be honest with you. I think that's like yeah. a bit. But I really do. I think that movie's very fun. And the music slaps and uh, yeah, just a lot of funny jokes in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love the opening and like in the balloon where they're like, what's that, Kermit? Oh, it's the opening yeah. credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the one scene that I don't think ever hit me for me as a kid, but then coming back to it again later where you start to appreciate really is when they're going to like John Cleese's house and <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, that's uh, that looks like a pig. <laughs> <laughs> that scene like is just like slapping your knee the whole time, having yeah. fun, just because John Cleese is is the greatest, yeah. and I think Peter Ustinov shows off in that one too, right? Yeah, he's yeah, like he the does. driver. Okay, yep, he's with Oscar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's doing a quick cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but the the joke about Fozzie and Kermit being brothers, yes. hilarious. So funny. <laughs> Them not being able to tell frogs and bears apart is so funny. And then when. They're in the park, and uh, the man and his daughter walk by. Who mm-hmm. it's Jerry Nelson, who was the count, and he was Floyd and the Electric Mayhem, whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and that's his daughter. And uh, oh, wow. <laughs> looked at a bear, and he goes, "No, Christine, that's a frog. Bears wear hats." Is <laughs> maybe the funniest joke of all. For time. sure. And Jack Warden kind of nails a line yeah. about them looking similar. I just like got into Jack Warden appreciation because I saw was it the the client the whatever the one with uh, Paul Newman. I oh, watched all the verdict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was Jack, Warden. Jack Warden in there, so I was happy oh. to see him. I love it when uh, Peter Falk is just like uh, he's credited as the tramp, just kind of walks in and like Kermit is like almost rudely like, dude, like I'm making a like movie. Here. <laughs> Peter Falk's like, oh yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I can get out of here if you say. It's so good. I think, and it's something that the Muppets do well, and it's something I do want to talk about too when we get to Muppets Take Manhattan. But the deadpan humor of just exactly like the jokes you're talking about of just how people are like. Oh, obviously bears wear hats you know it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's just such a there's such a commitment to the bit in yeah. a lot of this movie that i think for some kids it's almost like can be too dry even though you're sort of like haha it's the muppets mm-hmm. but then like gosh you watch this as an adult and you're just like this is maybe low-key one of the funniest ones like it's <laughs> just yeah. so so good well that's what ta- i mean I, I, there's a lot of humans in these movies that are used to varying degrees of successfulness. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are the most successful are the ones who treat this like they're just working with another actor. You know, it's not yep, anything right. different than like doing a scene with Paul Giamatti or doing a scene <laughs> with whoever, like it's just another person in front of you. And the people who can't necessarily wrap their brain around that are the ones that get forgotten by the wayside. You know? Yeah. And there's certainly one one actor in particular in an upcoming movie I want to talk about that with because I think I, I would argue that he does it better than anybody else yeah. has done it in the entire Muppet run. Yeah. But 
I mean, before we even get to over to that, though, then we did have the Muppets take Manhattan. What's your feel on this this movie, Patrick? I think the music is really good in it. Mm-hmm. I think, or, or you know, there's a couple songs that are really good. I think "Saying Goodbye" is really good. I think "Together Again" is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like seeing them in New York. Um, just like out in real New York. Yeah. yeah. Imagine you can tell where the rest of my review is going because those are the only things that I'm really praising <laughs> currently. Yeah. Uh, I think the movie's fine. I think it's, uh, you know, it's definitely the weakest of the three. It's not as funny. Um, I think there's some funny jokes in it, but I think it kind of drags a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously nice to see all the original guys still there, still doing it but it definitely feels the most dated of the three yeah. too. Like you're like, Oh, this is 1983 or whatever it is. <laughs> like, you're like, this is definitely uh, the eighties because they're <laughs> the real world and they all have perms, you know, it's just like yeah. very much. That's what this is. Yeah. I mean, I would even go to the extent though, too, of like, I think in the first 30 minutes, I mean, I just watched this movie like not too long ago, yeah. but it's just, there's like two skirt chasing jokes yeah. in the movie. And I'm like, Oh boy, <laughs> like, yeah. it felt a little, even just sort of off color for the Muppets. And I'm like, man, that's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Definitely yeah. an eighties moment for sure. Yeah. And that's sometimes the thing I struggle with, with like more current Muppets was definitely not as much a Jim Henson thing was like, the slightly off-color comedy that doesn't seem quite like the Muppet vibe, which, you know, happened kind of later with that, like, the Office-style show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not get to Muppets Manhattan because I was not going to spend the, you know, $4.99 on it. Like I said, I did spend it for Muppets in Space, but it sure. wasn't happening for it. Manhattan. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely definitely have to talk a little about In Space because it's one that I'm, I'm less familiar with. Have... Or no, did I say I had seen that? No. I, I'm like doubting it. I'm like, <laughs> like you would have remembered, man. I, I think I have watched parts of. I don't think I could say I watched him from start to finish because I remember there's parts of Gonzo in there where he is like going through his exploration, and I love Gonzo as a character. So. There are there are famously a lot of parts of Gonzo in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> <There's a lot laughs> I could be like, yes, this generic part number one. Yeah, no, <laughs> but it's mostly a Gonzo movie. Yeah. So I think we should, you know, because we are kind of going a little slow here. I think we should tackle these two. The same because they kind of have the same catch, such as the Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island. Am I skipping any? No. Okay. I just think because this is where they're going to like, we're going to pick a classic story. We're going to throw in our guys and like one heavy, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, What are your guys' feelings on these two? I really like Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah. (laughs) I'm very happy to hear that. That's, That's my take. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> are you not a fan of Muppet Christmas Carol well look we'll get to our rankings when we get to our rankings because <laughs> <laughs> I'll make this argument for well one Tim Curry is is a national treasure both uh, in this country and in Great Britain so it's it's definitely not to be sold short that he is doing excellent work in Muppet yes. Treasure Island and he's never he's never phoned in a, a role yes. in my opinion yes but also, I feel like Michael Caine, exactly what we were talking about before, maybe committed the most to the bit of just like, I am not acting with Muppets. I, I don't even see Muppets across me. I see like Dennis Hopper. <laughs> you know, he's just playing this with like Hugh Grant or somebody like that. Like he has that energy the whole movie. And I don't think I and kind of the same thought as Yoda. Like it falls apart if he doesn't do it that way. Here's my thing. That movie's not funny. 
<laughs> that's true. I'd agree with that. That's not what I want out of a Muppet movie. Yeah, I there are it. some fun bits with them like narrating, like some of that meta sure. stuff. But yeah, there isn't like there isn't gags. But I can I can count them on this hand. You know? Yeah, yeah I get you. But like, I do, I do like some of those songs in there. I think yeah. there's some good holiday jams. I love uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present. Uh, yeah. His 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 song. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. I think we did our Christmas episode, and we did like our top three Christmas songs, and that made it on my list. <laughs> Which and is no I doubt. Should, I should also say, there's no bad Muppet movie. In oh my yeah, life. yeah. Every movie is at least every theatrically released Muppet movie. I'll make that caveat. Every yeah. theatrically released Muppet movie is at least good. Mm-hmm. Right. That's my take. So, um, no, I, I do think that movie uh, looks very good. I think Brian Henson, who directed that, and Muppet Treasure Island is a very good director, and I wish he would have tried some live action stuff or some other animated type of things. Just to like, yeah. I'm just curious what else he has in him, and it feels like we're not going to get something else uh, anymore. And I think it was sort of what they needed to do at that point after Jim had died. Uh, they needed to figure out how to reinvent it a little bit and not just seem like business as usual. Um, and and they sort of had to sideline Kermit a little bit. Like Kermit's in that movie, but mm-hmm. he definitely is like, he's not the lead of that movie. He's not even like, maybe he's second lead, I guess. I guess he's second lead, but like, it doesn't feel like it, you know, he's supporting. Right. He's I mean, supporting. Even when you talk about A Christmas Carol separate from that movie, Bob yeah. Cratchit's not one of the characters you're like talking <laughs> no. about, right? Yeah. No, no, no. I feel like people talk about Bob Cratchit because they're talking about Kermit. You know what <laughs> yes. I mean? Like, <laughs> right. You're like, oh, Kermit, yeah, Bob Cratchit, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I It's rare. That's the one I probably rewatched the least. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Treasure Island is a lot of fun. I will definitely yeah, agree so with fun. you there. There is that that felt like they were definitely putting a lot more jokes, which I think a pirate story of any kind will lend itself to that. You yeah. could almost make the argument that it walked so that Pirates of the Caribbean could run. Absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. No, I was gonna say it's it's really funny. And and there's a lot of really solid jokes. I think the the Cabin Fever song is really good. <laughs> Hell <I think>. yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, called when love is gone. Is that the one that the Kermit, Kermit and Piggy sing while they're hanging upside down? The kids' song is pretty good too, if I recall. the The main kids sings a song oh, again. Yeah. That's not too too bad. It's, yeah, because that can be kind of Klein, but yeah. it's pretty good. And he's not bad in that movie either. No. Like for being a, a child actor, he I guess he's a little bit older than what you think of as a kid, but like, uh, he's pretty good in it. Yeah, that's a it's a fun movie. It's a very silly movie, which I appreciate and uh I think was needed after Christmas Carol. Yeah, and it's nice that it's also I think it's one of the few that has a child like lead as one of them, which is different. Yeah. Usually it's them around adults, but this is kind of like because I feel like Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island, and even Muppets in Space are definitely more of a family film more than like a for everybody film. I feel like those are two different things somehow. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. And I think Muppet Treasure Island does have more of the feel of like a kids movie than Muppet Christmas Carol does. But I think it's because the source material again kind of lends itself to that. Where. Yeah. Christmas Carol, I mean, you always, it's like, it's almost a sign reading in some high schools, right? It's like, understand how capitalism is cruel, and we haven't learned that lesson. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
But I, I just love in like Mapa Treasure Island, like you got Billy Connolly coming in and just hamming it up and really sets the tone for yeah. <laughs> stuff yeah. in there. Immediately. So good. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, just the Jimmy, Jim, Jim, Jimmy, Jim. It's fantastic. So fun. All right, you guys want to lay it down on Muppets in Space? Because I, I need to hear the, the tapes on this movie. <laughs> this is 1999, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like for me, I'll just jump in before, like, because I had this thought in my head was, I love they all live in this big house that's full of this life. Like all these Muppets are in this house. It's got this funk soundtrack, so it's got like brick house playing. It utilizes characters like you know Swedish Chef. It like has like everyone you love, but it's like living as this community. And then you take Gonzo, who like we've never even question like what's his deal what is he and he gets his own story it's very funny it has cameos that are definitely like they didn't have the power they used to i think it's like hulk hogan uh f murray abraham rob schneider andy mcdowell weird (laughs) it's a weird group Mm -hmm. but it's got a lot of heart and it's like patrick said this one's got jokes like i kind of like i don't know i feel weird about pepe i don't know if he's a little too like aggressive but he's still like less aggressive than like pepe le pew (laughs) absolutely yeah i've come around on pepe i was i used to not be a big pepe guy and then again one day it just clicked and i was like oh no pepe's my guy I like Pepe. <laughs> um, Pepe coming hard. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Uh, yeah. It was a movie that uh, they. I don't think it was the most fun production for them because for a very long time it was called Muppets in Space, mm-hmm. and it was a sci-fi movie about them in space, basically. Wow. And then pretty last second they rewrote it. Uh, I don't know if it was a budget thing or what. But they were like, oh, no, it's Muppets from space. And it's about this alien thing. Uh, so I think it was uh, a little tough. But, yeah, the jokes are really funny in it. It was the f- probably the first one I saw in theaters. I don't remember seeing Treasure Island in theaters, but I would have been seven uh-huh. for Muppets from space, which is kind of the perfect age for it. It's also I really liked Muppets Tonight, which was the 90s TV show they did. The ninety yeah. six, five, six, somewhere around there. And it's got a lot of those characters in it. You know, you get your Bobos, you get your Johnny Fiamas, you get your Pepe's, whatever on there. So I was, I was all about that. And it felt like, oh, we're turning the tide. We're, we're starting a new chapter with new characters, new, you know, um, things. And I, yeah, I, I think that movie's really fun. I think, uh, who's good in it? I'm trying to think. David Arquette's funny in it, and Ray Liotta's funny in it. Yes. And uh, Tambor, Jeffrey Tambor is very funny in it. Yeah, him uh, and Bobo together are kind Bobo of like good. a great duo. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird watching it now because you're just right. like, oh, come on, man. But he's very funny in it. So, yeah, I mm. like that movie. Yeah, I always remember there's like a bit where the spaceship comes down and it's really small and they're all kind of around it. Like Pepe says something like, bah, bah, bah. There could be chocolate in it, okay? <laughs> like I don't know why I get this. Yeah. love that joke so much. <laughs> yeah, there, there, yeah. I my look, my favorite joke is Tambor shouting at his assistant Bobo <laughs> to get in the remote, and you just hear Bobo in the other room go, "The goat, <laughs> <laughs> no, the remote, the remote." 
And it's, <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. Yeah, uh, he has that like pretty funny cringe moment too, where they're all kind of doing like a shared laugh, and then he yeah. takes it to the next level. And he's mm. like, "Stop yeah. laughing at me!" <laughs> like yeah. it's just I don't know. Really it really funny. reminded me of like him on uh, the Larry Sanders show. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Muppets tonight though, too, because I felt like that's something that, so this was kind of like their second go at doing something like the Muppet show, right? Yes. Yeah. It was on ABC. Look, not to plug my own thing, but if people want to learn more about Muppets tonight, George Lucas talk show did a marathon where we watched every episode of Muppets tonight and had a bunch of puppeteers and writers and directors and uh, guest stars and stuff on the show to talk about it. Also, it's very fun. Nice. Uh, hell with other people i'll watch that (laughs) it's really interesting there was something not to sidebar really quick but i was talking with connor ratliff who plays george lucas on the show three months ago something like that about henry kissinger and Uh how he was going to be in the first muppet movie but it just didn't (laughs) work out so i went on his muppet wiki page and it said he was also supposed to be in the first episode of muppets tonight and it wow. didn't work out. And I was like, that's crazy. I've never heard that. That's insane. How have, how has that piece of information gotten by me? And I looked at the citation and I clicked on it and it was our show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess so. <laughs> um, you yeah, made it reality. <laughs> made it a reality. Yeah. Is he, uh, Kissinger's Muppet. still kicking around. Like he's like a hundred now. <laughs> he's still around. He's still Jeez. around. Well, he could um, show up in a Disney plus show. <laughs> It's, the spin-off uh, of Frost Nixon <laughs> before yeah. the Nixon verse. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's two seasons and there's a lot of really good guests. You have like Sandra Bullock and John Goodman and Rick Moranis and just like nice. Martin That's Short, awesome. just like really solid guests, Garth Brooks. And it it I wish it had had caught on because I do think once they find their footing on it, like most Muppet shows, that's how I feel about the 2015 one too. Once they find their footing, I think it gets better, and I think it could have been you know another multi-season thing, but they didn't want to do it, and they sort of burned it off at the end and like sent it to Disney Channel and just like didn't. Yeah, not to backtrack too much, but I think we we did kind of lose the thread on some of the TV shows too. And I know we spent a lot of we're spending a lot of time talking about the highlights, but I feel like they're there. That's because that's yeah. what the Muppets is. It's all highlights, mm-hmm. baby. There's nothing wrong with this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know because the Muppet Show ran for five years, ended in 1981. Then they had the Muppet Babies, based on the Muppets Take Manhattan. That ran for six seasons, believe it or not, which is kind of yeah. wild. But I, I mean, that's something I remember watching as a kid for and, sure. And just all the different like parodies and stuff that they were doing, it kind of felt akin to what they ended up doing with like Muppet Treasure Island and uh, yeah. Muppet Christmas Carol. So, yeah, but it really kind of felt like, I mean, it's sort of a series of starts and stops, which is too bad because, yeah, I think there's a space for something like the Muppet show or like Muppets tonight that you're describing. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I know we're, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we keep going, but yeah, it just yeah. feels like we've kind of, we keep kind of missing the, that, I that energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a space for it. And I think especially in the age of TikTok and YouTube doing a sketch show feels like a very obvious, you should do this because this will catch on online. And like these clips will go viral. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. They will. It'll, it, it is the obvious thing to do. And I think there has to be some reason why they're not doing it. Because yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not the only person who's ever said this. Like, I'm sure yeah. they've thought about it. I don't know I mean, what that reason could possibly be. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely just feels like it's it's all out of money and Disney yeah. making. 
hard decisions or quick decisions, I think. And we could get a lot, a lot about that. But I mean, I do want to talk at least about kind of the last leg of the journey here, because then there was a theatrical dry spell for the longest time in their reign Mm -hmm. and that we didn't have anything until, is it like 2012 then that the Muppets? It's it's 2011. I think it's November, 2011. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And I mean, you get this idea where Jason Siegel, obviously a huge Muppets fan himself, mm-hmm. comes up with this pitch and is able to get this thing off the ground and really bring it back. And as we kind of talk about, it, it's sort of a soft reboot of the original Muppet movie, mm-hmm. but with a lot of love, you can tell, for the Muppet show. So yeah. how do you guys feel about this movie? I think that movie's a lot like Force Awakens in that <laughs> it, is, it is exactly what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, we got to reintroduce everybody to this. Some people don't know what this is. Some kids are going to see this as their first introduction. Like, we have to, like, show them what the Muppets slash Star Wars is. Let's sort of play the hits a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I, I think it's I think it's a good movie. I think it's I think the biggest problem with that movie for me, and it's not even a problem necessarily. It's just the biggest thing that I don't always gel with is it's a lot of humans. Mm-hmm. Yes, and not a lot, not as much Muppets as I want. It's more of a Jason Siegel movie than a Muppet movie, in my opinion. Uh, but I do really like the movie, and I when it came out, I was you know over the moon because it did well, and it seemed like it was like great. We're in we're in a new golden age of Muppets. Like here we go. It felt like that movie sets up at the end, like we're doing the Muppet Show again. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they. And then they didn't do the Muppet Show again. <laughs> it really it felt, felt like, like they were back. Yes, but it felt like if you're going to greenlight a new Muppet Show, now's your time. This movie did well. Like, right. now's yeah. the time to do it, you know? It won and got at least nominated for an Oscar for the, the yeah. Man Muppet song. I, yeah. I think it won. I, I thought it, it did, won, too, but yeah. ever since the uh, Elliot Gould thing, I didn't want to commit, you know? <laughs> I think it won. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure, yeah, because it was Brett McKenzie from Flight yeah. of the Concords that did the music. Right, which I assume you must have been some sort of a Flight of the Concords fan, reading that they were, yeah, or Brett McKenzie was going to write on it. That must have been huge. Yeah, it was exciting. It was exciting. And those songs are really good. They feel like the Muppets. He does the music for the second one, for Most Wanted, too, I yes, think. Yes, he does. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those mm-hmm. songs are really good, too, I think. that. Uh, but yeah, I think it. You know, he's very good at tugging on the heartstrings that need to be tugged and like being mm-hmm. silly when it needs to be silly. And he, he follows the Paul Williams from, you know, the original Muppet movie. He follows the playbook of like, this is this song. It needs to be here. It will be funny. Mm-hmm. This song will be sad. This will make you cry. This one will be funny <laughs> again. Like he, they're doing very similar things, uh, both, both successfully. Yeah. The force awakens thing is a great comparison because I think it was always a solid movie for me. It just never stays with me. Sure. Yeah. 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 I definitely agree with that too. Cause I feel like when you watch it again and it did win for best uh, for man or Muppet, that song did win. So Brett McKenzie does have an Oscar, which kind of rolls. Like yeah. uh, second best thing to happen after uh not to, not to win last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, but th- it's definitely when you watch it, I, I think that some of the jokes are good. I do agree. It's definitely human heavy. The songs, the music is great. It really, that's one of the things, my, my favorite parts of that. And I like when a musical gets that the songs need to be plot relevant. Yeah. Um, I remember just uh, the podcast for uh, uh, 
I think it's hot out as getting made and they talk about grease too. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like they call that out too. It's like, there's a difference between grease and grease too is like grease two songs are like not plot relevant. They're just kind of about things. <laughs> and so it's kind of yeah. where they don't really stick with you. Yeah. And I think that's one thing the Muppets do a great job of is that the songs all kind of tie into like characters, emotions or characters, journeys. Right. And yeah, it's something that I really appreciated about this new Muppet movie while accepting that also it's sort of like, eh, it's can be a little, you can almost kind of confuse it for the original in some parts. Yeah. yeah. The songs matter. Right. Yeah. That's the important thing. It's like, yeah, the song, it makes a difference to the movie. It's actually, it's important. So. Yeah. And I think when you talk about Muppets Most Wanted, if we just want to jump into that before, yeah. you know, just kind of start to the end of this, these highlights. But um, it, it definitely feels like still the songs are good, but there are a couple where I feel like they're sort of serving a device rather yeah. than being a, a character mover. And it almost seems like there's too much time spent with Constantine, like the, the fake Kermit. Sure. And I'm like, but we're not really on a journey with Constantine, right? We should be on the journey with Kermit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But thing- at the same time, I like a new character being introduced. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know? And the gag of him trying to get the Kermit impression down yeah. is so good. So for, for you, yeah. Freddie, yeah, he's like trying to take Kermit's role and so he's like trying to like watching old Muppet show episodes <laughs> and he's like hi ho <laughs> uh-huh. oh I can totally relate listening to Kermit voices and trying to understand <laughs> that's what I did the other day <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah but again I think it's exactly as you said it's that the there's not a bad Muppet movie but I think I did think I like the the first Muppets there first yeah and then we did have the Muppets. We were talking about the Office TV show or mm-hmm. Office-like TV show. It's like the Muppets, period. Yeah. Which to me made sense as a move because I feel the Muppet show, the original, was a reflection of the kind of show that was popular at the time, a variety yeah. show. Yeah. And so it kind of made sense to do this like found footage thing. And I never like disliked the idea. Just the execution never really worked for me. Yeah, I think... Um... I the beginning of that movie or the beginning of that show starts a little rough because I think they're finding their footing and figuring out how to make that work. But then mm-hmm. midway through, they change the showrunner and it sort of revamps itself around. I think oh, it's nice. the Christmas episode. Oh, wow. and I do think it picks up steam towards the end. And by the end, you're like, I could watch another season of this show because oh, okay. I, you know, I, obviously, like, no kidding, I love the Muppets, whatever. <laughs> but like, I'm also very critical of a lot of stuff where I'm just like, no, you can do this. I know this can be like 20% better than what it is. And that was one of the things where in the beginning where I was like, is this the nail in the coffin that like, Oh, is this the last Muppet thing? You know? Yeah. And, um, they do, they, they figure it out towards the end, but it was, it was definitely too late. Cause like, if you look at the ratings for that show, like they start pretty good. Like the ratings are like pretty solid for that pilot. And then it immediately like, craters down which is it's a shame but i, I yeah, think there's I, funny stuff in that show for sure i do remember watching the first couple episodes of that at the very least i thought yeah. i had watched most of the season but now i don't i don't remember anymore yeah i am i'm probably gonna finish it now that you said that knowing that just just to see the difference after the hand yeah. change there yeah it's still not perfect but i uh, it is i think one of the problems with that show is a lot of the writers were like sitcom writers 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it needs to be a very specific type of writer writing for the Muppets, or you at least need to have like one or two guys in there who can really like get those hard jokes in there and like get those silly Muppet plots in there sure. instead of like Miss Piggy goes to a yoga class and has a wardrobe malfunction. You know, like it's like, yeah. okay, I get it, but it's not necessarily Muppet. I, I you know, it's not perfect by the end, but I do think it, it gets better. Definitely. And then we did have a kind of a start and stop with Muppets now, right? For kind of a controversy about how quick the plug got pulled on this one. <laughs> well, with Muppets now, they shot it as shorts mm-hmm. that were going to be released on YouTube. They were just like YouTube shorts. That was it. They were going to be released over like six months or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then COVID happened and they were like, oh shit, we don't have any content to put out. So let's take all of these shorts, film stuff at home, like have the the Muppet performers film stuff from their house to make as like wraparound content. So if you go watch those now, it's like uh, they're like on Zoom, basically. Oh, wow. Like the whole thing is like they have a new... Sh- I watched it once, so bear with me if I'm trying <laughs> to remember this. They, uh, they have a show that needs to get released. Scooter is at home and like needs to like bring all the files to like send it off to be <laughs> released. And a lot of it is them talking to each other over the computer while the different sketches go in and out. You know, as producing George Lucas talk show, I feel that had been an interesting experience to watch because I feel like that's kind of the vibe sometimes when I watch. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, we didn't do that already. That's not done. Okay. Well, let's rush really quick before it needs to go up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it, uh, I don't know. There's funny stuff in it, but I think it would have worked better as shorts just because it gets a little repetitive because they only do like, three different sketches but they do like four variations of each sketch pretty much mm-hmm. yeah because it almost sounded like it was going to be something that you were even saying you would want them to see like kind of doing like sketches or like yeah. shorts that could be perfect for tiktok yeah like it, it almost felt like yeah that they were reading the, the tea leaves right but then they yeah. <laughs> had a reverse course because obviously yeah. worldwide pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but again um, you got to have good writers in there you yeah, know, and true. I think that's a big part of it is like if you're paying good writers and like funny guys who love the Muppets, like there's a whole generation of people now who grew up with the Muppets. And I think you got to find those people in order to make these characters really sing. Yeah. So I think that's actually a great transition, though, to our coulda, woulda, shoulda segment mm-hmm. where, you know, we can start thinking about what are some things that maybe the Muppets could have done differently at that time, like maybe sticking with the original plan if they had the ability to do so. Yeah. Or, you know, could they have had a different type of writer if somebody was still around? Or versus, like, you know, do we have some stuff? Because then we talked a little bit about Muppets Mayhem. And, uh, you know, do we want to see more things that kind of try something different of, like, let's explore this part of the Muppet universe that we don't get to explore, whether or not it's necessarily a, a spinoff for one mm. character or another. But... I don't know. What what would be your guys' pitch for like a new project or things that you would have wanted to see before? I mean, look, I got so many ideas. <laughs> um, I also want to hear, I just want to say, I would love to hear what you would want to do as a show producer yeah, for the Muppet Show. For sure, Please. For sure. There was a script for a long time that Frank Oz was developing. It was called The Cheapest Muppet Movie Ever Made. Because okay. they hit a point where they're like, these movies are getting too expensive. This is like real world talk. They're like, too expensive. So he goes, okay, I'm going to write a script uh, where that is the plot. So the movie starts, and it's it's like a whole 
Mission Impossible action scene, you know, Gonzo's mm-hmm. flying through the sky with explosions and everything. And then five minutes into the movie, someone comes in and is like, what? We're out of budget? We don't have a budget anymore? <laughs> the whole rest of the movie is them just like, you know, putting up cardboard sets and like throwing on a paper bag <laughs> as a costume and stuff like that. And it's a really funny idea. And I wish they had done that. That was like around Muppets from Space Time, maybe a little bit after that. But I think it's a funny idea. And I, I think they need to be a little more, you know, thinking outside the box with that kind of stuff. Cause that's a fun, different type of thing that has never, I've never seen it in a movie. Like it's a good idea, you know? Mm, right. Um, I wish they would just do the damn Muppet show again. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to be the booker or producer or whatever for the dang Muppet show. Like that's it. That is the career goal. And I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's that hard. It doesn't seem like it would be that big of an ask. And I think there's so many celebrities out there now who would be perfect guest stars for that show. And it feels like an obvious, an obvious move to do it, but not to just do it. The, the trap you fall into with that being on Disney or Disney Plus or ABC or whatever, and this was a trap with the ABC sitcom, was a lot of the guests were ABC or Disney-centric. Mm-hmm. And I think the good thing about the old show was it was syndicated, so it didn't have any network, you know, biases or, like, we need to only put freaking Linda Carter as Wonder Woman on here because <laughs> we're on CBS, you know, and she's on CBS, and that's it. So I think the way to do it is you just like, it can't just be the cast of Blackish, you know, it can't uh-huh. just be the cast of whatever. It's got to be, you got to be able to have an SNL person, but also a law and order person, but also, you know, Seth Rogen, but also whatever. And I think that's how you make that movie good. I also, I, I was at Disney World or uh, Disneyland two days ago, and there are zero Muppet things there. And I'm just uh. like, the theme parks are the place where you plop the Muppets in and it's very easy and they would fit right in right there. And I think it's a real shame that they own this franchise, this IP, and it's just not being used. And it's like, why did you spend the money to buy it if you're not going to do that much with it? You know? Yeah, that's like even a general parks problem, I feel. Like the Disney parks is yeah. now like every shop has the same thing whereas yeah. before like you'd go to the muppets area and you'd find yeah. stuff you couldn't find anywhere else but now yeah. it's like the same six shirts and now that shop isn't even open <laughs> right. they've closed that shop it does not even exist anymore oh god but the crazier part of that is that under the current disney structure business structure the people who are running the muppets is the theme park division Hmm. Which would make you think, huh, we're running a theme park. We have control over these guys. Let's do something with them in the theme park. Right. You know? Well, I heard the guy who created Muppets Mayhem. There was some yeah. talk that like that uh, the Aerosmith ride was yeah. potentially going to be a Muppets roller coaster. I didn't know how much validity there was to that, but he sounds cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. I'll never go on it. I'm not a roller coaster guy, but yeah. like, you know, right. what, Patrick. I am not a roller coaster guy. I went to Disney for my honeymoon. I said I was going on all of them. I had a blast. Great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> if it doesn't do a flip, I'll do it. But I think I 
Doesn't Rock and Roller Coaster have a flip in it? I feel like it does. Uh, if it does, it's not a bad one. Yeah. I don't know. I remember going on that when I was like 13 or 12 or something. Okay, and... we get it. You're cool. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> yeah, I was 31, man. But no, what I'm, what I'm saying, though, is like I feel like it's something that you could handle. And it's something that like yeah. anybody of all ages then could handle because that's what the Muppets are, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if you're going to get people on a ride, it can't be something that is going to be like, yeah. You know, something you find at Six Flags where, you know, you're going to be throwing them around 300 loops or whatever, yeah. and you're just brain dead by the time you get off the ride. Yeah. But Something yeah. great they did at Disney World, I don't know if they're still doing it, I don't think they are, was in, I think it's Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. They're doing this thing called uh, Great Moments in Muppet History or something like that. Oh, wow. And you'd be walking through the area where, like, Hall of Presidents is. And up in the windows in one of the buildings, the windows would open up and there would be actual puppets. People would be doing puppets to a pre-recorded track of like Piggy, Fozzie, Kermit, whatever, recounting the Paul Revere ride or <laughs> recounting the signing of the Declaration of Independence <laughs> or whatever. And I think that's a good way to do it because it's like, oh, it's a show, but it's right. also you see them and they're not it's not Mickey Mouse. It's not a guy with a costume on like it looks like Kermit the Frog. It sounds like Kermit the Frog. You know, that's awesome. I think that's maybe the key way to do it if they're not going to put the money into a ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to see more of them in the parks or just anything more than just like the bare bones Disney stuff. I love seeing kind of the wilder stuff, the offshoots, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. Just to kind of, it's not a big investment even to what you were just yeah. describing. Like that can't be that that crazy to do. Like, you know, it's not like you're building a whole animatronic Spider-Man and teaching him to flip from building to building. Like, you know, if you can build an animatronic Trump. You can do <laughs> That was why when you said by the hall presidents, I was like, yeah, I didn't go by there. Cause I didn't want yeah. to accidentally see the Trump thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. They can replace him with Fozzie bear. It's about the same, <laughs> same level of, uh... <laughs> ah. they had, uh, there was a plan. Well, they're doing something this winter. They're doing like a Christmas yes. show in Florida. That's what they're, yeah. Kermit and Piggy are hosting or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't oh, know cool. if it's a pre recorded thing again or if they're flying the guys down there. I don't know. But that'll be cool. There was talk back in the 90s, one of the early MGM things that they wanted to do was they had the great movie ride. That was like one of their big yes. flagship rides there. You go through all the old movies and see, you know, Humphrey Bogart animatronic, yes. whatever. They were going to have the great Muppet movie ride, which oh. was the Muppets recreating movie scenes to varying degrees of success. And mm-hmm. that was like going to be their other flagship ride at MGM. And it, it never, you know, it never happened. That yeah, been so how, cool. how deep into uh, production they were or like, you know, or if it was just an idea, but there's something they were talking about. Yeah, just because that backlot vibe of MGM just kind of like screams oh. Muppet movie. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So much of MGM just screams Muppet movie. I mean, like, I, it was such a logical place for him to be. And I think it was so easy to dream what they could have done. But then yeah. they got IP happy. They just kept acquiring things like, we have to make everything Star Wars. We have to make everything Marvel. We have to make everything, you know, yeah. just like, oh, look what we can do now with the live action Disney yeah. stuff. And it's like, oh, for crying out loud. Like, <laughs> you know, there's yeah, there's things for other people, too. <laughs> yeah. They have a pizza restaurant that's Muppet themed there. Oh, Rizzo's cool. Pizza. Yeah, yeah the pizza character Rizzo. I want to associate with food. <laughs> yes. Which, which there's some great jokes in Muppets Take Manhattan, if you remember, of yeah. like the people getting grossed out that rats are serving. And I yeah. feel like people are so chill with Rizzo and yeah. like 
Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet <laughs> Treasure Island. No, no we're yeah. cool with rats cooking now, especially yeah. at Disney parks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, uh, for coulda, woulda, shoulda, I did say that I kind of want another bite at the uh, Adapter Classic Story apple. Yes, that was mine. But it's kind of hard to pick because, you know, a lot of classic stories have a lot of darkness to them. I was like, yeah. you can't do, like, Les Mis or something with the Muppets. <laughs> but I did think of one that I think could be an interesting thing. I don't know a lot about this story, but I thought, what about, like, Don Quixote mm-hmm. as, like, a Muppets because mm. there's humor there. Yeah. You could add a lot of stuff, and I think because Terry Gilliam has, you know, he eventually did make his Don Quixote movie, but it was a huge I struggle. Guess, yeah. I guess he made it. Yeah. Do you know anyone who's seen it? No. no. <laughs> but I thought it'd be kind of funny if they made, like, a really banging Don Quixote Muppet movie and it became super, like, popular, yeah. and that was the most well-known Don Quixote. Yeah. <laughs> like. I think that adds to like Terry Gilliam making that movie, him being like the Don Quixote of his own story. That at the end, you know what's great? The Muppets Don Quixote movie. <laughs> <laughs> or just like go with a tried and true though, too. You could do like the three Muppeteers or something like that, yeah, right? I've got Musketeers as my <laughs> other one. <laughs> just make it Kermit, Fonzie, and Gonzo, and like you got like Miss Piggy as D'Artagnan just to fucking throw a total wrench into things, right? Mm-hmm. Just so you can get Bobo is like the Cardinals, like like assistant. <laughs> they did do. They did Wizard of Oz, which is one we didn't talk yeah. about. Yeah, it was a TV special, and it's sort of I, I, there's funny stuff in it, but it's sort of regarded as like the, the bottom. You Lower know, where, yeah. Yeah. I had that VHS. Now that yeah. I think about because I think the Scrubs people show up in that one. The, the Scrubs people are in. It's a very merry Muppet Christmas. Ah, that's the one I must have. Which is like "It's a Wonderful Life," which, of course, famously, Kermit wishes he can he was never born, and then they go to that reality where he was never born, and he calls Miss Piggy in her apartment in New York, and you see out of her window in New York in 2002 when this movie was released, the World Trade Center. Oh (laughs) no! Which means did Kermit somehow inadvertently cause (laughs) 9/11? Hey. You know, if Mark Wahlberg would have been there, though. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I also, I, I don't know. I, I kind of scratched it out, but I'm going to say this. I even thought, like, maybe taking, like, instead of a classic story, maybe, like, an older classic movie because we're in, like, the land of reboots. And I really was, like, playing with the idea of, like, a Jaws Muppets, but then again, I was like, the murder's kind of hard, but could you imagine, like, Kermit as Roy Scheider? Yeah. Get, like, uh, David Harbour, just to be Robert Shaw, and then Gonzo as Richard Dreyfus, of course. I think I would like a comedy version of Jaws with them. That would be interesting. Yeah, that's fun. Or what about Casablanca? Yeah. Here's looking at you, Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Be... I mean, you got Rolf who plays the piano that's yeah. like already there. <laughs> Play yeah. the game, Rolf. <laughs> I'm sure they would love to remake a movie chock full of Nazis. I'm sure that's like <laughs> the high point of what they want out of a new movie. But it's actually a movie that presents the Nazis as the bad guys. <laughs> 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 oh boy! Uh, and then the last final thing is we've been talking a lot about official and unofficial like cook- cookbooks. Mm. Give me a Swedish Chef cookbook. Yeah, oh, 
That doesn't exist. Come on. I, I didn't Google it. I just I wanted to put does. it out there. I don't think it does. I think Patrick would know if there was a Swedish chef cookbook. Yeah, I don't think there is. There might be a piggy one, but I don't think there's a chef one. Yeah, I love any Muppet where the performer uses their hands. Yeah. I think that's always an interesting design. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a Muppet picnic cookbook from 1981, and there's In the Kitchen with Miss Piggy. So... <laughs> You need that chef stuff. Yeah. There is a red bubble. Uh, it looks like, oh, it's oh, it's just a poster. I'm sorry. That's not a cookbook. <laughs> uh-huh. they, they, they threw me off. I, they, they, they were trying to throw something in. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but it is a great poster. It says, yeah. I don't always hurdy bird murder flirty flirpin, <laughs> but when I do, I yearn to hurdy It's always good. Um, yeah. It's always good. <laughs> I mean, great. Yeah. We'll get that for you, Patrick. That's your thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Just what I need. Another piece of Muppet merch. In my <laughs> Clearly you don't have enough. Yeah. Um, no. So should we get to our power rankings then? Let's do it. And the question for this week that we're going to do is your top three Muppet. Well, I guess we were debating this and maybe we will have to do both. Top three Muppet characters and top three Muppet should we do movies or should we do all anything goes? Yeah. I think anything goes. Oh wow, okay. So you could put in a TV show. We'll say your be- favorite Muppet media property. So favorite Muppet media property and favorite Muppet. Yeah. All right. So. Oh wow. Oh, so we're just combining them. No, no, no. Two. two we're going to go one at a time. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. So okay. you got some time. Hit, okay. hit us with hit us with your your media properties though, Patrick. What do you got for your yeah. top three? I mean, number one is the these are obvious ones. Number one's the Muppet movie. Number mm-hmm. two is Muppet Show. But if we're opening up to media properties, I might make number three uh, Muppet 3D. Oh, nice. yeah, that's a good I pick. Like I have the ranking. I brought up my movie ranking right here because I thought <laughs> we were just doing movies. I here, I'll do it really quick. It's Muppet movie, Great Muppet Caper, Muppets from Space, Muppet Treasure Island. The Muppets, Muppets Most Wanted, Muppets Take Manhattan, Space, 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 <laughs> The Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, <laughs> Whoa. Mr. Humbug over here. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just so I'm I'm pleased as punch you have space so high because yeah. I thought I was like the only one. Yeah. No. Go ahead, Fred. Um, so for properties, I'm gonna, yeah, the movie's number one. You can't beat it. It's it's the best. Um, Muppet Christmas Carol is my number two. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna move off that. Not gonna get big leagued here. Number two. Number three, I'm gonna get Muppets in Space just because it's got yeah. such a soft spot for me. Oh, yeah. It, it, it ekes out the caper, but I love space. Wow. So I've had a shakeup recently. I mean, I gotta watch space. So I, I mean, I'll put the caveat that I, I have not really watched that one from start to finish. So this this might change in in years to come. But if I had to go off the cuff right now, I think yep, the Muppet movie, the original, mm-hmm. number one. I think number two, I am gonna go Great Muppet Caper though. Okay. I had a lot of love, and I think I had a really good experience with that recently. Yeah. So let me put that at two, and then number three. I might have to go with the Muppet Christmas Carol as well. <laughs> I I do like Muppet Treasure Island a lot. I had a lot of love for that movie as a kid. And that's a close four, I think, for me. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I I do like Muppet Christmas. The songs are so good. We were just talking about music before. Live your life. It's fine. (laughs) We have to descend. If we all agreed on everything, we wouldn't have have interesting lives. (laughs) Okay, let's switch to characters then. You can go ahead first, Patrick. Number one, with a bullet, Lou Zealand. Yes. (laughs) The man who has boomerang fish. He throws them and they come back to him. (laughs) Number two. Uh, Gonzo. Yeah. Number three, Fozzie, I guess. Oh. Yeah. But what? with a bullet, number one, and then long distance second, Gonzo. Fantastic name, Lou Zealand, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And then I'll tell you the curveball. Which Muppet do you think you're the most like? Oh, boy. I mean, I get Scooter a lot. Scooter's the one that gets thrown at me, so I feel like it's probably that. He's the, he's the glue guy, so we can definitely yeah. see that about you. I think you're like yeah. you're like a more Kermit scro- like Scooter though, because you also I think you can rally. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll take it. Good, I'll take it. Fred, uh, for me, I'm gonna go. Fozzie is my number one guy. I just nice. kind of relate to like. Uh, you know, a guy with a belly who's like optimistic and, you know, just like hat, like, and also just can't read the room a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. I love that when Fozzie just comes into a room and like, just, <laughs> he's just doesn't know what's going on, but he's on his own wavelength. Um, I got a lot of love for Rizzo. I just love that he's like the scum. <laughs> like, he's always got a good jacket. I feel yeah. going. Yeah. Uh, there's a great bit in Muppets in space where he ends up in like a testing clinic with other tough mice. And like, it's the best. All these like, how you doing? You know, like kind of guys. In there. <laughs> like you trying to get out of here. <laughs> and it's a, it's a great bit. I love Rizzo. And then I have Miss Piggy as my number three, just cause, like man i love that she brings like so much energy i think now that i'm older and like because when i used to watch it i'd be like oh yes those are my muppet friends they move freely there aren't people controlling them mm-hmm. when you go back and watch now and just see the stuff frank oz is doing like with yeah. piggy it is it, it's stellar work and yeah. I think Miss Piggy, she can kind of like people overlook her because she can be a lot. But yeah. I think there's a lot of facets to Miss Piggy, and she really, she's an interesting character. Yeah, I think there's definitely points in a lot of the the movies and even the show where when Piggy comes on screen, you can feel the energy shift, mm-hmm. and it just it hits a new level. So, mm-hmm. it's a great pick. I'll go quick. I got a boring first one. Maybe it's boring. I don't know. I I love Kermit. <laughs> I am well, just wrong with that. Right? Green, green's my favorite color. So when he said it's not easy, I I, I felt it in my bones. <laughs> <laughs> so Kermit, Kermit number one, number two. I will go Gonzo though. I do think that's the Muppet I I relate the most to, but I do I do uh, like Kermit just a bit more than Gonzo. But I, uh, Gonzo always cracks me up. And then number three, I got to go with the Swedish chef just because <laughs> the nonsense that he spurts as he's doing his act just never fails to crack me up. It's so okay. funny. Good answer. Yeah. You're going to love Muppets from Space. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm kind of like, this was a miss for me to not yeah. seek it out. So it'll we probably go a, on tonight. <laughs> yeah, we could do a follow up addendum once you watch it. Great. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Little, little bonus franchise <laughs> yeah, yeah. installment. Um, so I think that gets us to the end of our episode. Uh, but before we, we let you go, Patrick, is there anything you would like to plug? 
Yeah, uh, you can watch George Lucas Talk Show. Um, it's all on YouTube. Um, every episode that we've done for the last three years, it's been like, uh, it's more time by far than they've made for The Simpsons. That's what we like <laughs> to tell people. Uh, if you live in uh, the UK or anywhere around there, we're going to be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival for all of August doing the show and doing a play that Connor wrote for him in character uh, uh, with, with Griffin playing Watto. Um, so that'll be very silly, very dumb. If you live in Los Angeles, I do a bunch of live shows, including um, Untitled Improv Project, which uh, is at least going through July, but there may be some other cool stuff coming later in the summer. You can follow me on Twitter at Patrick Cotner on Instagram at Cotner. And I'll post about any live shows that I'm working on, but always fun stuff, always silly stuff. So if you're around, come hang out. Yeah. Some absolutely awesome projects you're involved with. I mean, really, it's it's worth everyone's time to check it out. The George Lucas talk show is it's hilarious. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are doing any more like ever going to plan another U.S. tour, but that was one of the best shows I ever went to. We went out. We were in Milwaukee. We went out to uh Detroit for That's that good. show. I thought, so. I thought we met in the show, right? Because you can Did you come up at the end? I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember. Yeah. I, remember. Mm-hmm. I I wore my Toy Story hat. I was feeling real cool that day. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was one of the reasons I wanted to record or do the remote and me be in my room. I had my poster up, and I was oh, like, "You have the poster up. He's gonna see. It. He's gonna know what's up." That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but I would definitely recommend following Patrick on Twitter. He's a good follow, and you just you're good about posting the shows you're involved with and yeah. the people that are in the shows. It's insane. Look, like, Pulaski get... was your monologist. Had him last night. He was the best, a king, a legend. Yeah, but look, you gotta you gotta post about it. You gotta get butts in seats. It's really hard to get butts in seats, and uh, so that means I have to annoy everyone else about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I always try to whenever I see those, I always try to retreat because, like, yeah. I know it's a good quality show and a good quality thing that if anyone's in the area, they should go check out. Yeah, absolutely. Fred, what about you? Anything you'd like to plug? I'll be writing and performing in Sketch 22. Uh, If people are not familiar with that, uh, I would check out the website. It's where the writers get, I guess, a premise or some sort of suggestion, and they write the sketch that night. And then the next day, everyone shows up, and they have to perform it. I'm writing and performing in it. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Other than that, check out the Interchange Theater. I'm kind of swinging back into doing more improv and stuff. I took a little break because I went back to work. Um, but yeah, interchangetheater.com or check me out at, uh, FJD the third on Twitter, uh, and check out the podcast Twitter page as well. What about you, Tom? Well, I will also be acting in sketch 22, but only acting. Um, so that's tickets are available for that. Uh, schmitzandgiggles.org. That's all one word, Schmitz and Giggles. Uh, that show will be on Saturday, uh, July 22nd over at Comedy Sports Theater in Milwaukee. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very excited to do that. And, yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter at tstads20. We are at State of the Franchise Podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to send us an email with any questions or any comments you would like shared on the show, we will read those live on air. We've done it before. We'll do it again. Uh, State of the Franchise with Fred and Tom. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Check us out on there. Just look us up. And... If you want to leave us a one-time donation, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash S-O-T-F. You can also sign up for a repeat donation if you would like. But really, 
we're most uh, thankful for you just tuning into the show every time we drop an episode. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. It was an absolute pleasure having you on. You are a fountain of knowledge about the Muppets, which is amazing. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm so sorry for just monologuing. No, mm-hmm. that's exactly honestly when we pitched the show that this is what we envisioned. So this like, was like okay, the, okay. the perfect version of it. <laughs> and also, I should say, I if I got anything wrong and someone is listening, like furiously listening to their iPhone, don't tell me. <laughs> no, you can come to me and let me know. If they yeah, got problems, wanna, they can come to me. Yeah, they can email us at state of the franchise podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh, thank you all for listening and stay tuned for next time where we'll be talking about. The Elder Scrolls. Ooh. Yes, popular video game series. We'll, we'll be talking all about it. And we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. And time is on the mic. I got no cares because all I want to do is charge my phone and drive this event. And work and talk to you about will always be. Why are there so many podcasts about movies? <laughs> I don't know. But then we're not a movie podcast. I don't know. Uh-huh.